Metallica, here they come, the kings of metal! Hey, this is Squindo, and you're listening to Metal Up Your Podcast. We finally made it to the basement. Yeah. Yeah. Out of the garage and into the basement. Welcome to Melt Your Podcast. I'm Ethan Luck. And I'm Clint Wells. This is episode 287. We're going to talk about something that we, I think, had intentions to talk about a few years ago. Didn't work out with someone we want to interview, which we'll get to. Uh, we're doing Live at Grimey's from 08. Which is fun. It's our hometown. Yeah. It's a pretty interesting show. You almost got to go to it. You've told the story. Right. You were tipped off. I was tipped off, but I was one day away from coming home from tour. Right. It was a bummer, but it's, a, it's an awesome small venue. So Grimey's, to explain a little bit, uh, Grimey's is the record store that used to be above what is called the basement, is the venue downstairs. I've played it, Clint's played it. We've played it together with Attention Machine. Yeah. It's probably, the cool, for the size that it is, it's one of the coolest venues in town. It really is, yeah. I'm not sure how much longer it'll be around, because I know that the record store moved over to East right. Nashville. Um, I think they're at some point time is running out for them on that lease. What do you think the cap is in there? 300? I th- no, it's less than 200. It's, I think it's like 175. Okay. So you can get a hundred bodies in there and it feels great. Oh yeah. It surprisingly sounds good. So it's one of those venues that's so small. You don't mic up a lot in there. Usually just vocals. Mm-hmm, yeah. And uh, I mean, you could throw your guitar pick and hit the sound guy. <laughs> you really could. Yeah. It has kind of a great patio. And of course it's under one of the city's most beloved where it used to be one of the city's most beloved record stores, which is Grimey's, which is right. Grimey's the dude. The dude. Yeah. He also who, owns another venue called the basement East in East Nashville. So since the basement moved to, the base, not the basement, but Grimey's moved. Grimey's moved, yes. And then the basement opened a bigger, kind of more. I guess that's like a five hundred cap. Club. I think it's more, yeah, six six fifty. It's like for touring bands, yeah. You know, um, the basement's kind of the OG basement, as people locally call it. It's mostly been known maybe for local shows. They do a thing called New Faces Night if you're new to town or yeah. new artists or whatever. Some touring bands will come through there, but like Clint said, it's a small cap room. So this was a huge deal in 08 when Metallica was slated to play Bonnaroo the next night. And the day of, they announced they were playing the basement. And it was just like, holy shit, Metallica is going to play a 175 cap room. And we know Grimey. We've been friends with Grimey forever. We were trying to get that episode together 100 years ago. But we're going we're gonna to make it work. I'm going to reach back out to him. And uh, when we get a little downtime uh, from touring, it'd be awesome to talk to him and a guy named Dave Brown, who also runs the, the venues, uh, just how they organize that whole yeah. thing and how it all came to be. Because yeah. I mean, how do you? I mean, how, that would be so hard to keep that lock and key, right? I want to hear the timeline. I want to hear. I, I would love to just pop, you know, see under the hood of the whole thing. Like, For sure. Was there not actual numbers, but like, did the band get paid? Like, mm-hmm. I'll, I'm always curious what happens with that because, as you and I know, bands getting somewhere with all their gear, there's there, that doesn't just happen. Mm-hmm. You know, we watched the new Aladdin last night, by the way. Okay, uh, the one with Will Smith as the genie. Ooh. Is animated or is this live action? No, it's live action. Okay. Yeah, Will Smith is the genie. I don't I was gonna make a punching somebody slapping joke, but yeah. it's it's beneath me. I was just thinking, well, you don't rub a, a magic lamp and these bands show up with all their gear and their crew. And Correct, yeah. So it's interesting to think about and I gotta imagine, but maybe this is me projecting my own thing, that the band's like maybe it was pitched to them by management, like, hey, this would be really cool and mm-hmm. we could actually make a live album out of it and it'd be fun. I wonder if they're like, man. Do I want to get helicoptered into a 
little club. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they were already in town for Bonnaroo. They're already there. Yeah, it wasn't like you know all their gear is in in, in the area. So um, they so a black car picks them up, drives them to Grimey's, and then they're they're just going to walk out and play nine songs and yeah, call it. They go in, they play nine songs, and they take off. Right. You know, the crew is the one that obviously have to deal with all the gear and stuff like that. Um, uh, I know that before it officially got announced, I remember a friend told me uh, rumors started to spread just because how do you hide like a semi truck? Yeah. That says behind grimy that says metallica <laughs> right and all these cases start coming out to say metallica right it's like when you know when they did the chicago show last year and right. the san francisco show it's like you know word spreads fast you get one person to walk by and tweet it or text it to a friend then you know, well and you think go. about it too it can't be kept too secret otherwise no one will be there like yeah i think they I, anytime bands do this like pearl jam does the binaroa hall or whatever right i'm sure they they tip the right people mm-hmm. maybe they let someone at the local radio station like right they can't keep it too secret, otherwise no one will be there. Yeah, I mean, at a venue like Benaroy Hall is pretty big uh, for you know it's a big theater, it's amazing, but the, the cap and uh, uh, the basement's so small. It's like I feel like with their you know the amount of fans they have. Well, I was thinking about the Chicago and the yeah. Independent as well, right? I mean, I mean, people found out. Oh yeah, I mean, it's it's yeah, it's not hard to find out. But people knew about Metro before because we were getting tips about it from fans. So yeah. fans heard about it even before there were road cases out right. there. Yeah, they were the one, they would line up and then they were like, "Hey, confirmed, we just saw a road case." But they were there before that. Yeah, and I mean, it all it takes is one local crew guy that maybe doesn't work for the venue. He's just a hired hand, right? That uh, is is there, you know, beforehand, right? Before the cases show up and. Or even someone from the venue, just like, and they got to tell the crew. Yeah, text their buddy like, "Hey, don't tell anyone." But and then that guy goes, "Don't tell anyone." Well, but. Remember when we played the Metro shortly after Metallica did? I, I don't know if you were with me, but I talked to one of the guys that worked it. Yeah, and I remember I can't remember what he said, unfortunately, but I do remember being like, "Did you guys know?" And I think he said they did not. T- I think they were like, "Hey, we knew it was going to be something unusual, right?" But they didn't know it was Metallica until they got there. Yeah, I mean, I think even a venue like the Metro, you know, whatever that cap was, a thousand or something like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, Metallica is so huge. You could announce it a couple hours out and there's going to be a thousand people there. Yeah. You know, in the basement, I mean, with 175, it's like, right. you can announce it five minutes before. <laughs> but there's a way that someone knows before. Yeah. It, 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 let's, here's the thing. Like The secret show thing is really a hype. It's a hype machine. It's a hype thing. And it's exciting that day, even if there's kind of rumors that once you, once you see that road case or see yeah. that photo or whatever, yeah. then it's awesome. You know? Um, I always get such an overwhelming feeling of like, there's no way I would be able to get in. So I almost, I almost just give up. Mm-hmm. Because to think about being one of the 150 people that can get into the basement, unless Gosh. you know somebody, it had to have been filled with people who knew people. Yeah, well, according to some of the facts about it, I mean, it was it was it was 150, 175 people. It was mostly fan club, and then friends, people from Warner Brothers were there, things like right. that. So let's just say maybe it was like 100 Met Club members, right? And then the other 50 were like guests and right. other famous rich people or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it was probably that. Well, yeah, it, or like Warner. Yeah, you said Warner Brothers who put right. the record out. Yeah, label brass, and yeah. you know how that goes. Right. All right, let's do some of the housekeeping before we continue to dive into live at Grimy's. Yeah, absolutely. We got some news in the news. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one is uh, the Metallica Black Box thing. It, uh, it is what it is. If you like it, you want to check it out. They have new artifacts over there. Um, uh, Enter Sandman from the Freeze Mall Antarctica show. It's like a more of a behind the scenes thing. And then there's like uh, handwritten lyrics from Hit the Lights. Okay. Little artifacts like that. If you're into it, go check it out. MetallicaBlackBox.com. Uh, and if you're involved with the Coda collection, you know, the thing they've been, they've been putting old uh, 
shows It's almost up. like Metallica Mondays in a way. Yeah. But they added the Quebec Magnetic show recently, cool. which is cool. They must be listening to the podcast because we're, we're sort of smack dab yeah. in that era ourselves. I think that's, that's the case. Yeah. We haven't gotten confirmation, but let's just assume it is. Well, this next item of news definitely ensures that they listen to the podcast because they made this just for me and you, and especially for me. Uh, yeah, this is your era. Uh, the limited edition Metallica Ninja Star record player by Project. And this is a quote from that company. It says, the Metallica team chose Project as their collaborative partner to create a Metallica-themed record player continuing the, uh, the band's proud tradition of collaboration with artists. See, they could have done a couple of things. They could have done the Sane Anger Fist. So what it is is basically, the, it's not even the platter. The entire record player is the Load Era Ninja Star. Yeah, it's really cool. Which, be still my beating heart. Thank you, guys. Thank yeah. you for doing that. Unfortunately, it's $1,600. Oh, I forgot to say that a company also said, and, and the record player, the creation of it is dedicated to Mr. Clint <laughs> Wells. Well, they got they got my heart right. They didn't get the wallet part right. Yeah, the wall, it's only $1,600. It's only $1,600, and it's guaranteed to poke your kid's eye out. So, but... How cool is it? They also did like Rolling Stones and Beatles stuff, which yep. we were kind of kind of drooling over a little bit. I mean, it's out of my price range, but I love the idea so much. But they could have done the Sanger Fist would have worked. What else would have worked? Sanger Fist, um, the Jump in the Fire Demon, yeah, shaped record player. Uh, maybe Lady Justice, Lady Justice. Yeah, that'd be cool. Dude, they could have just done like three crosses. Like Master of Puppets? Yeah, that could have been Puppets. An electric chair. I was going to think the electric chair yeah. with some lightning. Yeah, that'd be Maybe this cool. is the first of many. Dude, a, a coiled snake record player? Oh, dude, that would be sick. That'd be really cool. Fuck. Yeah, a coffin. I mean, shoot, any, almost any of their album covers. Yeah, now do. we're just naming any imagery. Connected a garage, to a, a bathroom. From, <laughs> dude, what, a toilet. <laughs> a toilet with a dagger coming out, and the dagger's what you put the, uh, what you put the record on. Exactly, yeah. I think it'd be awesome. You know, when they do things like, we had Billabong reach out to us, like when they've done some of these collaborations yeah. with Nixon Watches or whatever. Why don't these motherfuckers reach out? We like records. We love records. Here's a question, though, for real. If I really did get that record player, I don't know where I would put it. I don't know if my wife would let me put it anywhere. Would Callie let you put it upstairs? Uh, Yeah. She'd be cool with it? Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't think she really minds. I would. I mean, I'd be more worried with you have a, having a young child in the it house. It does seem dangerous running by. You know, you know, kids get you know these like you know bursts of energy, and she's cruising through the house. But the good news, if someone wants to break in and try to steal any of my coveted Metallica vinyl, I can just use my record player to kill them. Right. Well, we already have Ninja Stars, courtesy of Jeff Fireball, who made them. <laughs> That's true. I mean, and, and those are those actually are kind of dangerous. Oh, those are legit They're sharp. Oh yeah, thank you, Jeff. By the way, those I got mine in the, hanging in the garage. In a safe area, yeah, away from my kid, dude. <laughs> it wasn't our handgun that ended up killing my kid. It was uh, a token, a gift from our friend Jeff, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> in the shape of a ninja star. Right. Well, if any of you guys out there um, are very wealthy and end up buying this, um, <laughs> please send us photos because I mean we've seen the ones online, but the thing looks just can I cool. can I just slightly modify that sentence? Yes, please. If any of you are out there listening who are really wealthy, uh, please buy us one. Oh yeah, buy us one. We'll too. send you photos. Yeah, we'll send you photos, and, and it's gonna we'll talk. We'll, you know, we'll shout you out on the podcast. We'll give you a nice shout out fair trade yeah cool pretty good all right next bit of news uh lars appeared on eddie trunk's trunk nation on may 19th and i thought this quote was really cool it's just him kind of uh wrapping up their time in south america he said obviously just get out of the house and get amongst it again is a huge thing he continued so we're very excited about the summer like i said the three weeks in south america were incredible we're getting deeper and deeper into I think we played over, over 30 songs across the shows in South America, so we keep getting deeper into the records and finding none of your songs to play into the catalog and so on. So it's fun. I'm happy to be out there. Good for them, man. Good yeah. for them. I'm so, it, it's, you know, I, I always keep one leg firmly planted in the Dave Matthews world, as sure. you know, and they just started their summer tour, which has been very exciting. Uh, but it, I'm just thinking about the juxtaposition because Lars is basically bragging, and I think rightfully so, it's Metallica, that they're, they've played 30 unique songs. 
Right. Right now, Dave's like nine shows in, and people are already bitching that they have not played a hundred unique songs. <laughs> those motherfuckers, I'm telling you, wow. dude, those motherfuckers are intense. Yeah. They're intense about song, unique song choices. I mean, like, I, I, I learned quite a bit when uh, myself, you, and our drummer Parker uh, mm-hmm. went and watched Dave Matthews last yeah. year. That was one of the funnest nights of my life. It was so much fun. So much fun. And, I, you know, I learned a lot, even when we were just hanging in the barricade area and talking to some of the fans that were, like, yeah. right up against the rail. Yeah. I mean, they're all ready to go. Like, do you think they'll play this tonight? And, you know, they, oh, I watched this one the other day, and they did this, you know? Well, they were telling me that night that they soundchecked with 41, which I know you would have loved to have seen. Yeah. And they soundchecked with one of my favorite songs called Pig. But they were never going to play those two because it was a festival. Now that I look back right. in hindsight, they do what any band does. Even Dave Matthews does it. They they tend to play a different kind of set in a festival, mm-hmm. a, a more hits oriented kind of tire kicker set. I mean, you kind of have to. You I have mean, to. Well, even even Metallica was doing those two nights where they were doing the Black Album one night last year, and then the mm-hmm. first first night was no Black Album tracks. There's still hits in there. You know, there's still memory remains in there. There's still fuel in there. There was someone telling me that. Uh, I definitely have seen this with Dave, but someone was even telling me with Metallica, it might've been during Fixer that the people at the fourth anniversary that didn't know what it was, were bored by it. And so, wow. You know, there's a, there's a really beautiful song called, uh, let you down on crash. Love you, know, that song. you know that song. Oh yeah. He never played. Dave never plays it. And usually for, it's called the E one slot encore one is usually a Dave solo. Right. Before they come with on encore two. And they usually play a, like a two step, they play a barn burner. Right. And uh, for this one E1, he did Let You Down in like 2006. Wow. And anyone who knows what's up, we're like, this is like a piece of treasure that Dave just gave us. Wow. Here's what you hear, though. The whole amphitheater talking. Because it's a slow song. It's quiet. Yeah. No one knows what it is. And people didn't like it. So Dave, who's an entertainer, is like, well, that's the last time I do that. Yeah, I'm not doing that again. I'm glad that the diehards enjoyed it. But shit, man, if they work that hard to play Fixer and a lot of the people make a PP break... They're probably not going to do it again. They're probably... I mean, I wouldn't. Agreed, yeah. It's just crazy. Like, like Dave Matthews had not played Let You Down since you said 06? No, well, he played it in 06, but I don't think he'd ever played it live. Yeah. Uh, I think he did it with Dave and Tim in like 97. The right. album came out in 96. Yeah. It's just never a song people responded to, but all the diehards are like holding signs for it the way we did for Fixer, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so he's like, okay, wow. well, let's, 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 uh, let's do it. Let's see if people like it. Well, no one really liked it. Yeah, a lot of talking, a lot of crowd noise. So I, I love Dave Grohl. If you see interviews of Dave Grohl, I, I'm thinking about a famous one that I'm sure a lot of our listeners have seen, but he gets asked, what's your favorite song to play live? He's like, man, my favorite songs to play live are the, my fans' favorite songs to hear live, the yeah. big hits. Yeah. He's like, I love playing all of our big hits because that's the songs everyone loves. Yeah. I just really appreciate the honesty of it. I mean, yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, occasionally you might throw in a deep cut or two. And Metallica's kind of like that. They're yeah. playing all their biggest hits. They got but their gonna, slots. They're going to give us diehard some little little good nuggets, you know? And I think they pay attention to it. I think they pay attention to it, and they're like, yeah, the reason we only have four of these slots is because most people don't care that we're playing holier than thou. Mm-hmm. Right. Do you uh, do you know, if does Dave Matthews have a website as like intuitive and and in-depth as Metallica's? So Dave doesn't, but there's a site called D- DMB Almanac, okay. and it is... Oh man. Robust. That sounds it like it is. It's, it's the most. I mean, I'm not a Grateful Dead follower. I, like, I, there's a few of their records I like. I like American Beauty. I like Working Man's Dead. But sure. I'm, I'm in no danger of being a deadhead. And I never got into Fish. So, of all the bands that kind of have that kind of culture around their band, Dave's the only one I follow. Okay. But I mean, Pearl Jam has a database too. Pearl Jam's similar, different set list every mm-hmm. night. Yep. Big, long career. They'll open with a deep cut. They won't play their biggest hits for like stretches of 10 or 20 shows. Mm-hmm. 
But the, there's a website called, for anyone out there, DMB Almanac. It's anything you want to know. It has all their soundcheck songs. Wow. They have a big thing called Liberations, where if a song hasn't been played in 140 shows, if it gets played, they call it a Liberation. So oh, wow. any Dave show, they're like, there were three Liberations. Uh, this guest came out for this. This was the first time this has been played in this venue since whatever. Ethan Luck and Clint Wells were at Pilgrimage last year. <laughs> exactly. We had royalty at we the Pilgrimage Festival. It. I mean, they were in the barricade. I mean, <laughs> anyway, okay. I've gone on and about that. Uh, I'm glad that South America was successful for the boys. And uh, I know everyone's excited about these festival shows they got going on up here. Absolutely, yeah. And the, uh, the last bit of news is uh, everyone's everyone's talking about this. Yeah. Uh, the second round of the Walmart exclusive colored vinyls coming June 17th. <sighs> It's so tempting. But it's hard, isn't it? Because so we already have all these records. I have everything I need for Metallica. I know, me I, too. My, but it's like, do I need to get all these? I didn't get the only one I got of the last round was a black album. Um, you did? You got the Walmart black album? I got the Walmart black album. What, was it a, like a gray color? Or it's something? Like, yeah, it's kind of a gray. So, okay. So here we have Garage Inc. is the Fade to Blue. Load is the Poor Twisted Orange. Reload Flaming Fuel. St. Anger, some kind of orange. Death Magnetic, Magnetic Silver. I might have to get load and reload with these variants. Yeah. But I don't know about the other three. What about you? What if, what if you could, if you had to get one, which I'm, I'm going to guess you'd get the death magnetic. I would get that and reload. You get reload. Yeah. I haven't seen the pictures yet. I don't think. Are they pretty cool? Yeah. They're super cool. Okay. Yeah. Well, they, I mean, they look awesome. I mean, they're really cool colors. <clears throat> There's not like any weird, you know, they're not like weird splatter variants and like that. They're pretty solid colors. Okay. I don't think I have any metallic albums that have a variant. I never got the pink hardwired like breast cancer yeah. one. Did you get the pink hardwired one? I did not get that one. We bought one for a giveaway at, at and then one we of gave our it to party. That's yeah. right. Um, I have the uh, someone sent me the Ride the Lightning uh, Walmart one at one point. Okay, because I've had Ride the Lightning. I have an eighties copy that I've had forever, and it's. I mean, it's pretty. Uh, it's pretty beat up. It's pl- very playable, but it's pretty noisy. And uh, someone had uh, reached out and said, "Do you have this one?" I said, "No." And they sent it to me for free, which is very nice. By the way, God bless the Miller Podcast community. I love them so much, and they. They've sent us so many cool things yeah. over the years. So, I mean, no one sent me a Ride the Lightning uh, color variant. But <laughs> but you are holding that bitchin' green one. So this is the green one I got at the record show that was in town. And uh, so this is obviously a bootleg, but yeah. it is this, still, this still is, cool. This is the only one I have that's like a color variant. Oh, that's it's kind rad. of a red swirl. Uh, this is like the green Music for Nations yeah. misprint, but it's basically just the CD. Yeah. it's It, it sounds fine. But it's just that's a, still a cool piece to have bootleg or not. Yeah, I know? think I think these variants are genius because it, it taps into something with, like people our age have a little bit of jangle in their pocket. I don't, I mean, you know, we're not rich, but I've got enough jangle to get a variant of a record I love. Sure, and so it taps into that like got to have them all thing. Bands are so smart to do that. Someone tweeted at us the other day and said, uh, "This is when Metallica released like yet another like toy, like some kind of action figure toy thing." Sure. And they were like, man, Metallica's becoming Kiss. I mean, we've talked about the Kissification yeah. of the band. It's kind of a logical conclusion. Yeah, I mean... It, it, the the business, the economics of it. If people are buying it, then yeah. if there's demand for it, then why not you know, supply it? I don't know. It doesn't... Maybe it's because I've been a Kiss fan for so long. It doesn't bug me too much. I, I know it kind of bugs some people. It really does. Because yeah. it is kind of it is kind of weird. Well, I, you know what I call it? Uh, it's the demarcation line between the Kill Bon Jovi and you know, Metallica Monopoly games. Oh yeah, it's for like sure. The Kill Bon Jovi days are gone. But Very they were always so. going to be because you become rich. You become rich. And well, and also too, it's like maybe uh, besides the money making part of it, they're at they're all at the age now where they're not touring like they did in the 80s or even definitely not the 90s. They're never going to again. Never going to again. Uh, there's times on the music side of things where, I mean, they're pretty quiet about it. We don't know if any records come in this year, next year. We have no idea. So I think a lot of this stuff 
I look at it as not only like another money making opportunity, but also a way to kind of hold everyone over. Totally. It's like, uh, it's, it's kind of keeping them in the conversation, keeping them relevant. Right. They, Lars goes on Eddie trunk. They put out a new monopoly game. Mm-hmm. They have a new board shorts, whatever. Right. Yeah. A I'm kind of bummed. We, we never, uh, there was never any follow through with that billabong. I, think, I would love some board shorts. I think there was like a personnel changeover, right? Turnaround, turnover, turn sideways. I don't know. Turn style. <laughs> there was like a personnel change over there. Well, I was really looking forward to wearing some red lightning board shorts down at the beach. Dude, they were going to send us a bunch of shit. I know. Would have been awesome. I guess we should just buy them. Let's buy them and wear them on stage. Oh, Morgan would love it. Well, that's it for the news. Um, but uh, you and I um, are about to leave for Europe. I know. Which is really, really cool. I'm really excited. Um, Me and you being over there together. It's going to be I've never fun. been to Scandinavia. Oh, awesome. So I'm doing all that for the first time with you. Hell yeah. I've never been to Ireland. So am I, uh, so am I the only one out of our group that's been to those countries i don't know about parker but for me yeah okay wow yeah that, see that's really that's really exciting for me i, I was mainly, amsterdam i've never been to oh man you're gonna love it um if you know what i mean drugs <laughs> drugs uh it's really exciting for me to go over there with with people that haven't seen some of these countries for you know and see, see their reactions for the first time you know it's 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 such a fun thing to get over there and experience new cultures and um cuisines things like that but, i'm stoked um, dude i'm really excited it's going to be fun. We're going we're going to have a good time. Yeah. I don't recommend eating haggis when we're in Scotland. The only thing I know about haggis is from the masterpiece comedy film So I Married an Axe Murderer right. when Charlie buys haggis for his dad. Right. Hi. Hi. Haggis, right? That's right. I'm the guy who ordered the haggis. Um, can I ask you a question? Sure. Do you actually like haggis? No, I think it's repellent in every way. In fact, I think most Scottish cuisine is based on a dare. Well, that concludes the news, everybody. All right, thus concluded the news. All right, uh, you can support us on iTunes and Patreon. You know what it is. You're going to hear a commercial for it. But uh, it's important to support the uh, the people that make the things that you care about and that you listen to. At the very least, we give you a shout on the show if you join us on the Patreon train. Thank you to Jacob Osmo. Jacob. Jacob coming through, dude. Jacob with a K. Like, like uh, one of my favorites, Jacob Dylan. Ah, that is with a K, right? It is with a K, yeah. I remember there was a girl in school I went to school with. Her name was Regina. Yeah. And one day when we came back from summer break, she told everyone, my name now is Dawn. She wanted to change her name to Fully. Dawn. Okay. Yeah. Complete, complete 180, complete left turn okay. from the name game. And, you know, kids can be cruel. Kids, sadly and cruelly, did not let her do that. Yeah. People refused to call her Dawn. Wow. Which sucks. It's like, well, I mean, can't she be in charge of what her name is? Yeah. I had a friend like that that actually... Uh, he wanted everyone to, he came up with his own nickname and, and told everybody to call him that. Yeah. You, that's hard to pull That off. was tough. Nobody really calls him that. What was the nickname? Dutch. Yeah. <laughs> Dutch. And he, and I mean, like to this day, like social media names are Dutch. Wow. And he really stuck with it. Oh, he this, really, oh this is like 15 years ago that he decided. <laughs> so oh, he was an adult. Oh yeah. This he gave a, himself a nickname as an adult. As an adult. Yeah. Wow. I know. Wow. It's <laughs> crazy. I don't call him that. I mean, to this girl's credit, Regina, wherever you are, I mean, we were in sixth grade. How are you in sixth grade? Yeah. When I was a kid, I hated being named Ethan because nobody else had it. And when you're a child, like that's kind of weird. At least, at least what's for me. Like I hated that my name wasn't normal. Dude, my name is Clint. Yeah. There ain't no Clint's in the world, dude. <laughs> There's like three of us. Right. Uh, I liked it though. I always liked it. I liked that no one had my name. Late elementary school, early junior high, I was like, "Oh, this is cool." Once I met like you know 
18 Johns or whatever, then it was like, okay, this is rad. My name is Ethan Luck. Like, nobody has my yeah, name. Yeah, you have an awesome you know? name. Right. And, but I'm, I'm talking, this was when I was like probably fourth grade. Yeah. Third or fourth grade. And like I would, and, and at one point I, I asked uh, my neighbor who was like a friend of mine, we'd always go to the park together to start calling me Dennis. <laughs> 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 seriously why because, why dennis probably because dennis the menace or something i have no idea oh boy dennis um, that's out of all the names i know right now dennis not seems dutch like, not dutch yeah dennis or seems axel. like axel <laughs> can you call me slash can you call me bob <laughs> but yeah I, I i think because when I, I didn't understand how cool it was to have a unique <laughs> name you know what i mean it's so that's my brother-in-law's name too by the way so i'm not making fun of the of name course, dennis. it's just funny that you chose that. i know i think i was just a, i mean I'm a, I'm a little child that i think i wanted a normal name right. i wanted a common name right and so maybe it was had to do with dennis the menace the cartoon i have no idea but wow but i got a little older then i was like okay ethan's rad and yeah, ethan dude, luck you have is a, even you cooler have a great name I love the name Ethan Luck. When I first heard about you, I thought for sure it was the, I thought it was like a stage name. I've been asked that so many times over the years. Yeah. So is that a stage name? Like, nope. I used to tour with an artist named Griffin House, which is a pretty awesome name. Yeah. His name is Griffin. Even when you talk about Griffin House now, I think the band name is Griffin House. Every, every, that was our whole, that was our whole battle. I'm, I'm sure it was. Yeah. Now, when I was in fifth grade, this is the, this is the first time I remember not liking my name and I hate it because it was from external forces, but people were calling me clit on the mm. playground which is part of the female anatomy right and here's the problem i didn't know what that meant yeah i thought they were just intentionally saying it wrong and one of my more uh you know worldly friends had to explain it to me well it was a loss of innocence moment yeah so that was a bummer it was an easy name to uh use a euphemism for sure in a derogatory manner right yeah uh mine my last name i never thought my last name was uncool but e people either it rhymes with fuck so that was a lot of which those is jokes, awesome which is awesome <laughs> <laughs> thank you um <laughs> but the, the the one thing that i still get to this day is uh -huh. having good luck today right because your name is luck everyone thinks they're the first one to say it right you know it's it, it, anywhere i have to show my id or i have to call some dumb 1-800 number to clear up some thing are you having good luck today, sir? No. Michael Bolton? That's me. Wow, is that your real name? Yeah. <clears throat> so are you related to that singer guy? No, it's just a coincidence. Oh. You've heard me introduce myself a million times. What do I always say when I introduce myself? I'm Clint like in Clint Eastwood. Yeah. yeah. I have to I have to. And every time I do it, they laugh like I'm telling a joke. And I'm like, right. I'm sadly not joking. If I and I've learned this. I have 38 years of experience. If I do not say Clint like Clint Eastwood, people do not hear the name Clint. Yeah. They hear Clark. They hear Kent. They yeah. hear Clem. They hear all sorts of... Clem. Yeah, Clem. Clementine, which is a female's name. Yeah, I love that name. Um, can I call you Clementine? You can if you want. Okay. Only when we're naked. Clementine. <laughs> yes, please. Come on here, Yes, please. Luck. I would, I would get, if, if, if someone didn't hear Ethan, I would get Nathan, Ian, or Evan. Yeah. You probably, yeah, I can see you. Have, I'll answer to all of them at this point. I don't care. I don't care either. Call me whatever the yeah. fuck. Well, I'm calling you Clementine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, we're on all the socials, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Amazon, YouTube, Spotify, blah, 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 You know blah, blah, about blah. it. It's sucking your soul slowly, but we all just accepted at this point, right? The the um, people were talking the other day. I guess this is kind of blowing up because Halsey posted about it. But oh, I was reading up on that this morning. The artists are getting kind of fed up with this TikTok stuff. Yeah, because TikTok has basically become such a benchmark for going viral or for success that even major labels with major artists like Halsey mm -hmm. 
is being pressured to try to make TikTok content. Well, the, the goal was to get something to go viral to generate all these views and streams and blah blah blah. Um, it's uh, it's almost like is it the new like MTV? Like we we gotta mm. get on there. We gotta get. We have to have it have have to have a hit video or whatever. Good point. Um, I guess the difference was the difference was MTV at one point cared about music. I don't know if TikTok cares about MTV the did care, did care about music. There's a really great book called I Want My MTV that kind of goes through the whole downfall right well what happened was mtv just became a corporation that had to just survive so it moved into schlocky reality tv yeah it just did what corporations do it evolved to survive and make money and art doesn't do that right there's like a really thin you know venn diagram where art and commerce make like sense where you can do Mm -hmm. big business metallica is one of those sure but for the most part art art isn't really art isn't supposed to make a bunch of money right it's it, it fulfills a spiritual a spiritual thing in society, you know, sure. it, it it brings people together. It helps people know they're not alone. It helps people process their feelings, their emotions, mm-hmm. it saves lives. Yeah. And so if you can make money, awesome, but it's, that's not really what it's intended to do. People don't make art for money or yeah. I don't think they should. I don't think that you can make good art for money. Right. Right. But anyway, the thing about MTV was if you could get on MTV, it was almost like a guaranteed break. Oh yeah, for sure. Because they would put it in rotation and kids would see it and mm-hmm. kids see it. They assume it's popular. Then they go buy it. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, I'm now, sure many bands we discovered while watching MTV. And it was such a, um, it was a platform that, that only existed in one space and time. Like everyone in America, I'm just, let me just speak for America right now. Everyone's watching the same MTV. Mm-hmm. TikTok is what Tom York refers to as a, a waterfall. And his little content is a pebble, what he called a pebble in the waterfall. Yeah. So not everyone's watching the same content. No. And in fact, your particular TikTok algorithms are completely suited to you. Yeah, yeah, so, 100%. So no one's watching the same thing. So no mm-hmm. one's having a cultural moment together. Yeah, Th- That's the other crazy thing about film and TV. Like I've been making the comments that film's dead. And of course, people are saying to me, but there's a movie that just came out. You don't understand what I'm saying. Right. Culturally, it's not important anymore because there's so many movies. People are, pe- there's so many shows on all the streaming platforms that mm-hmm. are good that people are missing entire seven-year arcs of great shows. Yeah. Like, it used to be everyone talked about The Sopranos. Everybody, or Lost. Or, or, or Seinfeld something. or something. Yeah, yeah Lost was like that. Every You would go to work, you'd have to wake up, wait a whole week to see the new episode. Mm-hmm. So you had a whole week at work by the fucking water cooler or whatever your version of it was for us on tour or whatever. Yeah. To just get into it and talk about it. We were all watching this one thing in space yeah. and time. It came on Fox at 8 p.m. on Thursday or whatever it was. Yeah. Now it's just there's so much out there. It's a fire hose, dude. Like whenever I'm like when I'm like you know, for instance, I'm in the middle of watching the final season of Better Call Saul. I love mm. I love Breaking Bad. I love the yeah, show. I love, I love the Bob Odenkirk. Bob Odenkirk's great. A lot of great actors and the writing's amazing. All that stuff. I might walk up to four or five friends and be like, dude, did you watch the last episode of Better Call Saul? They're like, oh no, I'm watching this thing on Hulu right, right. now. That's whatever. It's like there's so much out there, and there's a lot of great stuff out I know. there. You can't keep up with all of it. I know. You know. I um, think another point to that too is. I did watch the first three seasons of Better Call Saul. So I think there's even another warping of like, first of all, you got your friends that don't even have time to see it because they're busy watching other good stuff yeah. that you haven't seen. Yeah. Here's the other sad thing. Then you got guys like me who did watch it, can't remember anything about it. Yeah. Didn't care to see the last season. Like Ozark was like that. I Because we binged it. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think when you binge something, you, again, this is my opinion, but I think when you binge something, you're not, you're not wrestling with the material in a way that you used to have to do. Mm-hmm. You would have to wait a week and think about it and talk about it with your friends and your family. Yep. Now you just 
I mean, me and Isabel do it, dude. We binge the shit out of stuff, so the it, it ends and it's it's triggered to start the next episode. It oh, gives yeah. you about ten seconds to stop it. Yep, and then it starts. And how many times have you and Callie not really wanted to watch the next episode, but it started and you were like, okay, fine, well, fuck it, yeah, we're here. And then six hours go by, and I think I think you can assign value to that. Like, well, we had a good six, like we enjoyed that six hours. Mm-hmm. But in terms of being able to like process the content. It's a, it's a lot of info to process in a short amount of time. And I think your brain flushes it. Yeah. Like, I just think, you know, we've talked about this before. Like, when I was a kid, I had 20 telephone numbers memorized. Easy. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, I yeah. knew exactly how to get to all my friends' houses. Never needed a map. Mm-hmm. Now I can't really even drive around Nashville without my phone. <laughs> right. Plus, Nashville's kind of fucked up. Right. That's the one thing about, uh, I feel like I've always had this, like, I don't know, whatever skill the, of remembering directions really well. Really? Like there's, uh, it happened the first time I came, ever came over to this house. Mm-hmm. We're just cute by the way. And <laughs> I, you gave Should me we the, give address. Everyone the address. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, the first time I came over, you gave me a dress, I mapped it and then that was it. You know, sometimes it'll take a few times, but, um, but, but it probably took me, it probably took me two years to not use a map to get to you. I don't need a map to get to your house. Right. But it took me a you long did. time. Yeah. Or I would text. Remember, I would text you like, "Hey, can you send me your address again?" Yeah, it'd be, and this was like year two of the podcast. I know <laughs> when we were only doing episodes I, in my house. I know, I know. <laughs> Isn't that weird? But I mean, the brain can only take on so much. And like you're right, when you binge something, like that's why I'm loving watching Better Call Saul as it's airing because it's on AMC. It's it's not just straight onto a streaming service. Okay, so I have to wait a week. Well, even streaming uh, platforms are doing it now, where they're making you wait, or they'll do they're doing little yeah. bursts. That's how Disney Plus does, like the Mandalorian and stuff like that, which, which I think is smart. I dig it because I want to absorb it, and yeah. I've been going down these rabbit holes of watching like like um, videos dissecting the episode. Yes, like the next day, you know, Easter eggs and all that shit. That's oh, that's, that's really, so fun. It's so fun. I know. Because I'll for sure miss something. I'm like, oh, I didn't realize when he did that, that means this. I always miss stuff because I've talked about this before too, but I think this is important. Tangent City, by the way. Yeah. There's two ways to watch a film or watch anything or do anything. Uh, One is to lean in. So if you're watching like a murder mystery, you're leaning, you can imagine being in the theater, you're leaning forward or Mission Impossible or something, Mm -hmm. some sort of like thriller or heist or whatever. And you're trying to figure out what's going on. Like you're, you're just sort of trying to soak it all in. You're trying to maybe figure out the ending or whatever. And you miss stuff when you do that because you, yeah. you're just trying too hard. But then the second time you watch something, you lean back and you let it wash over you. Yeah. And a lot of the stuff I watch is, is like weird shit. Like David Lynch did season three of Twin Peaks a few years ago. I was getting on YouTube and like watching fan theories every yeah. day yeah. after those episodes aired. It's fun. I, well, a I needed I needed a community of people who were also watching it to help me understand it. Mm-hmm. And it's super fun, yeah. But I also just needed the conversation because I would watch the episode, and it's David Lynch, so it's confusing. But it was also just like really challenging television, yeah. And that's gone when you when you watch eight episodes in a row. You can't. You, I mean, you could call me if you wanted, but chances of me ha- having also seen it at that time, right, are almost zero. Yeah, for sure. Um, last time that happened, I think really was the last dance when the last dance happened during the COVID first COVID summer, I felt like everyone was watching it Yeah, and everyone was like, and I think they waited to do the episodes. Didn't they? Uh, I watched it when they were all available. Okay. Because I watched it after you did, but it just seemed like a conversation everybody was having. Yeah, and for I sure. hadn't. That's that's rare. That happens every once. There's certain shows here and there that happens. I feel like Stranger Things did that when it first came yeah, out. We watched it. Yeah, um, we talked <clears> about that. Uh, Breaking Bad was like that. Breaking Bad was definitely like that. Um, I mean, dude, I went to a bar in New York 
that was having a Breaking Bad themed night for the series finale. Wow. Like blue meth drinks. Everyone's just doing meth. Yeah, totally. It was great. <laughs> but I mean, that's how that's how like into it people were. Yeah. And it was so fun to like, and then we were watching it live on AMC to where when everyone was respectful and quiet and the second the commercial broke, we'd all turn each other. Okay. Everyone would exhale. It's a real trade. You're, you're, I mean, you know, I don't want to be an old man screaming the cloud. So I'll just say that it's not better or worse or bad or good. It's just a trade. So the trade is you get a lot of people are able to make stuff that probably wouldn't have because before there were only so many finite slots on television. Mm-hmm. And so people, showrunners and producers had to be really discriminated about like what made it through the gatekeeping. Yeah. Now you can, you know, Netflix can, Netflix can have, you know, both a huge tentpole film, I guess Marvel's all Disney, but yeah. something huge like that. Right. Netflix can get like, like Power of the Dog, the Jane Campion film, which she won Best Director for, that was a Netflix movie. Yeah. It kind of made a big deal because these streaming platforms are starting to win Oscars, yeah. which is changing the whole conversation about cinema, blah, blah, blah. But they'll have that. Then they'll also be able to like spend a bunch of money on a bunch of auteur shit mm-hmm. that's kind of more challenging indie shit that'll find its way to me that I might never have seen yeah. if we weren't in this kind of new you know, wild west of content. Yeah, exactly. But the problem is, and what you're trading is, you're you're able to share it less with like people that you actually are in community mm-hmm. with. You can get on Reddit and find a subreddit for it. Sure. But me and you at the water cooler talking about Breaking Bad, th- that's just rare now. It is, yeah. I mean, there's there's complete opposite shows that me and my own wife watch. Yeah. She'll same. be watching this, I'll be watching that, and I'm like, oh, babe, you gotta get into this. She's same. like, I'll get to eventually, you know. We watched six, Succession, and I watched the first two episodes, and I was like, babe, I'm gonna rewatch the first two episodes because I think we need to do this together. It's yeah. Like, and she tried, and she was like, I just... She was like, it's too intense. Yeah. She gave me permission to watch it on my own. And then I binged it. Yeah. Because I couldn't get enough of it. Yeah. And now we can't talk about it because she didn't watch it. <laughs> right. Yeah. But when, you, but when you do find the people that have seen it, you know, it's I fun. think you and Parker were both watching it, right? Me and Parker are able to talk about succession. Uh, yeah. You end up feeling like you have this special language with somebody. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's probably the way me and you can talk about Metallica. It's sure. like, you know, uh, if I meet someone that that's in the horror films or, Dave, you know, me and Charlie Benante finally get thrashed into me up and running. Yeah, for real. But when I finally talked to those knuckleheads over at uh, the Corner of Gray Street podcast, which is the Dave podcast, if you guys go listen to that episode, dude, I'm like a kid because I'm like, I don't have anybody to talk yeah, to. I remember I listened to that I'm one. I'm so and, starved yeah. to talk to somebody. Like Dan Cantor is, uh, me and Dan will just text about Dave Matthews. Yeah. Because we don't have anybody else. Yeah, for sure. You know? I mean, it's fun to have those people in your life, but it'd be nice if there was more to share those things with, you know? Like, I'm really glad that you're on an STP kit because we can we can just vibe on that. Oh, yeah. Because otherwise, I'd feel like it's just like maybe me, you, and Johnny. Yeah. But it's fun to have those things together. By the way, we <clears throat> we will get to the emails eventually. <laughs> I'm well, having a good time. I'm having that. a great time. We're having a good time. We are. We are. Let's see what other tangents uh, transpire here and what we <laughs> lovingly refer to as the email portal. Breaking bad. Okay, our first email is from uh, Chris. Uh, he, now, he, he is writing back in, and he has uh, corrected our pronunciation. We said Chamier, I think. Okay. It's Chamier. Chamier. Chamier, like a... Sh- like a sh- oh, like- do you have to put your pinky up to your... Uh- Chamier, <laughs> yes. Uh, he has uh, given us a little update. He was the electrician that uh, worked at James Oh, Sparky wrote in. Sparky wrote He's in. He's Sparky, right? All right, so Sparky says, Good day, Shredders. 
Just thought I would elaborate on why we're in Papa Het's home in San Francisco. The obvious question, fanboy or not to fanboy? Yes, and that was answered quite quickly by the foreman on the job. Do not talk to James about Metallica. He had two tradesmen removed from the job site because of this. One even took pics of his home and tried to sell them on Craigslist. Oh, my God. What an idiot. Delete, he says. Uh, he said, this was difficult at first. I mean, I had to walk through James... Uh, I, I, I had to do walkthroughs with James concerning his welding shop. Yes, James, where would you like your power? Yes, James, 50 amps would be best. Yes, James, you're a metal god and I worship you. I didn't say that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyways, within a month, I got to know the family a bit. The kids are awesome. Castor had a mohawk and Francesco to make his cookies. What a fucking trip. They were uh, living in the home as we remodeled it. Sparky is a common trade nickname and James seemed to enjoy it. I was fine with that. Anyways, other cool shit happened. I was working with an assistant a while. Lots of stories. Maybe a part three. Yeah, please write in. Sure. Uh, ends by saying, love the Patty Griffin story, Clint. Kind of the same sitch. I respect that you were honest with her. And last but not least, if you guys listen to the Megadeth album, please, uh, it better be Peace Cells, honey, please. Let's do it. I'm I'm down for Peace. Wait, is Peace Cells is like the next big one we haven't listened uh, to. Yeah, yeah. That's like the next. Oh, wait. We haven't done uh, Euthanasia. We, oh, no. we did cryptic writings. Yeah. We did counter to extinction. So euthanasia is another one people have written to me about a lot. And then of course, peace sells. Peace sells. Oh, is wait, the other what about one. killing is my business? That's the first one. Yeah. There's also so far so good. So what? This makes it sound like we haven't done any, but I feel like we've done we've a done lot. We've done like four Megadeth records. We did countdown, risk, cryptic writings. And, and rest in peace. And rust. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, anyways, you said love and metal, Chris Von Shamier. Got it right this time. Shamier. Uh, well, dude, uh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, we'll check out peace cells for sure. Yeah, the, you can't germ. You, we call it germing in the biz. You can't. Yeah. You can't germ out, especially if you're there to do a job. That's the right move. You want to. Yeah. Here's your only hope. Your only hope is you play it so cool and you do such a good job. You're so professional and you forge some sort of dynamic with your, you know, the guy that hired you, who happens to be James Hetfield. That at the end, you can shake his hand and say, "Hey, by the way, uh, you know, the Black Album means so much to me," or whatever, right. whatever it is. Yeah. By the way, I love I love the song Escape, and I think you should play it more often. By the way, do you remember when we met in the John Wayne Airport, and you shook my hand <laughs> twice? Hope you enjoy that chandelier. Dude, if we were hanging out with James, and we got to a comfortable position, you would probably be like, hey, remember, yeah. I met you once, and yeah. you shook my hand twice. I would. Well, it's almost like, uh, remember when we were doing shows with Ryan Hurd, mm-hmm. who's married to Marin Morris, when, mm-hmm. in New York, we were all hanging together. Mm-hmm. At a certain point, she looked at me and said, you look really familiar. And we were already having a good casual conversation, and right. I said- I auditioned for you one time and I didn't get it. Yeah. Like, not that that's as weird as like, you know, I shook your hand twice in an airport. You wouldn't take a photo with me. But, but you know. Marin, remember when it was raining and I threw my jacket over a puddle for you? <laughs> and then I swept the broken glass out of your way. I love the, those classic like 30s chivalrous dudes who would throw their jacket over the puddle. Right. Or you could just walk around the puddle. Yeah. I don't know if I would throw my jacket over the puddle. I wouldn't. Especially if it's cold out. Then you have to wear a wet jacket. It's never or- been the kind of puddle you couldn't simply walk around. It never, not one time. If there's a puddle you can't walk around, you need to take another street. <laughs> you need to figure out an alternate that, route. That's called a sure. flash flood here in the South. All right, Jason Billadieu writes in and says, first off, at 39 minutes in the most recent Hot Summer Nights episode, when the sirens are in the background, I legit had a uh, my heart skip a beat, and I checked my mirrors to pull over on the way to work. I do apologize, because several people, every time we put the it, sirens it happens, in, yeah. invariably someone is driving while they're listening, and it scares them. Well, and it's quiet enough in the mix where it sounds like it is in the distance. Okay, to chime in on the hot topic, Nirvana is great, but completely overrated in that one brilliant song overshadows everything else they ever did. I've always felt they get too much credit while many of their contemporaries get far too little. Keep on rocking and fighting the good fight, Jason. Okay, so it's pretty divided. There are people who, half half of our responses yeah. are people who agree with me. Half people think I'm insane. That's fine. And half people think me and Paul are insane. That's fine. And that's fine. So the, the, this, the, the settlement of the court 
Is it? It, it is a fifty-fifty split. How many? To, how, how many hours do you think we've spent together since that conversation? Probably thirty oh, or lots, more. Lots of hours. How yeah. many times have we talked about Nirvana? Only time was that one that night. One night in uh, Portland. In Portland, we, we were jamming some tunes after the show, yep. and we had it. It wasn't just that we went okay, Pearl Jam and Nirvana, Pearl Jam or Soundgarden, whatever. But let's I, I put just, it to rest. It's a fifty-fifty split. It's a draw, as they say. <laughs> Here's the deal, man. I really, I, I think Nirvana is awesome. Yeah. I have no problem with Nirvana. And I, I listen to Nirvana occasionally. Lithium came on the radio the other day and I was like, hell yeah, dude. Yeah. Did you ever see the classic albums on Nevermind? Oh yeah, it's great. One of the coolest moments of that was one song where they talk about Kurt like laying down and doing cutting. Yeah, it was the on the, the Something in the something Way Something in the Way, yeah. which is cool. Which by the way, I just watched The Batman again last night and that song was featured heavily in the whole film. I still need to see that. Dude. What's it streaming on right now? It's on HBO. HBO, okay. Which HBO, I, I gotta say, is out of all the platforms and we have all of them. Yeah. Other than Disney, because I have a kid, but HBO is probably the the highest quality. Yeah, that's cool. Because tons, of t- it's HBO Max. Yeah. So they made a bunch of side hustles with tons of other, like Friends is on there. Yeah. A bunch of other networks. So there's a bunch of killer shows, great movies. And usually now what the new thing now is basically like theaters and HBO Max. Oh, wow. So the Batman cool. was on HBO Max within two weeks. I saw it in the theater. The weekend it came out, and then I just rewatched it last night. Cool. It's really scary. It's cool. I've heard it's the, one of the darkest ones. It's it's basically a, a 30s noir film. I love it. It's raining the entire time. The the Riddler's really scary, creepy. Does the Batman ever put his cape over a puddle? <laughs> um, For Catwoman? It, it, no, no. No. And the Catwoman stuff, they it's kind of the love stuff, but it's dark. It's pretty dark. And yeah. Zoe Kravitz plays Catwoman. It's Zoe Kravitz is great. It's it's really good. She, she another movie I recommend that no one saw that everyone should see is she plays a. Uh, it's called Kimmy. Kimmy. And she okay. plays like an agoraphobic tech person. And someone's trying to kill her and she can't leave her apartment. Oh wow! Okay. She's great in it. So anyway, awesome. Uh, but something in the way is featured heavily in there. But I love on the classic albums they do the vocals for Lithium on the the yeah stuff. Yeah. But Dave's harmonies yeah. over top of that, which are so high. Right. No auto tune. No click. Yeah. Just so awesome. Just a rock and roll band. It's a, a, good it's a song. rock record. And Butch Vig obviously killed that record. Butch Vig, yeah. And I love when he talks about um, how Kurt was really not into doubling vocals. Right. And so he just was like, he kind of tricked him. He was like, all right, well, let's get another let's take Let's just of do that. it again. He yeah. doubled them. He got like two or three or four takes and then just blended them together. And I then, think people would be surprised at how often people double their vocals. I is Okay. I don't know how you are with this, but um, with certain things about my voice, I'm not really a fan of when I do it at home, record at home. Okay. Uh, like doubling is one of those things. If I try to double at home, it just sounds odd to me. But when I go to Paul's studio and do one of my records, and then he's like, all right, let's do another one for a double. And I was like, <sighs> and then when I hear the mix, I'm like, oh, that sounds awesome. I wonder what it is about it that you don't like. It, maybe it's just my mix. I'm not, you know, I'm not, Paul's obviously a much better mixer than I am. So, well, there's d- definitely different schools in how to mix it because, yeah, like, and where the vocal sits. I can yeah, never find that. It's pretty perfectly. delicate. Yeah. And, and you have to do it a couple, you have to make sure the phrasing matches. If not, it gets mm-hmm. weird. But, yeah. Like the Elliot Smiths of the world, which is kind of the school I do, it's it's a little more hard panned. Yeah. But I have noticed with Paul when I send him stuff to mix and send him doubles, he puts them both in the middle, mm-hmm. which I've had to ask him before to widen them up. Yeah. But he he probably puts them in the middle for you. There's a lot of indie rock guys that that do that hard pan doubling thing too, like Damien Gerardo, yeah. Elliot Smith, yeah. you know. Um, guy David Rock- Bazan does a lot of doubling. David Bazan, another guy named, have you ever listened to Rocky Votolato? No. Another Seattle guy. No. Um, uh, he doesn't tour hardly at, at all anymore, but made some really cool records. But okay. He did a lot of hard pan stuff too. It's a pretty cool effect. I mean, yeah. the, the the guy I learned it from is Elliot Smith for sure. Did you, oh, ever, yeah. get, did you ever get hit to his shit? Oh yeah, totally. XO is one of my favorite records. Oh dude, X, XO and either or. 
yeah. from a basement. Figure eight. Very John Lennon-esque Beatles. Mm-hmm. The dude's kind of like a chord dictionary. He's kind of Paul Simonese chord dictionary. And then obviously very moody, very, sad songs. Pretty tragic life, too. And, very and, and tragic. Death, very you know? tragic life and death, for sure. All right. Uh, anyways, on. Nir- Nirvana rules. Um, then, <laughs> you know what, dude? Nirvana does rule. Do How about rule. that? That's, that's what we can all walk away saying. No one's saying, do they suck or not? It's a different conversation, but we're, but we're sure. done with it. For we're sure. 50-50. For sure. Anyways, uh, ben Meehan writes in and says, hey, dudes, um, uh, just jumping on the Lars co-write. This is an older one, by the way. We've been dipping back into some older emails we didn't get to. That's cool. And I reckon uh, it could be as simple as James knowing, A, he needed Lars to run the business side of Metallica, and B, he never uh, he knew he couldn't do that side of things. Result is the handshake deal forever. Yeah. Uh, love your work. Keep it up. Let's hope the boys get back down to the land of Oz ASAP. Cheers. Nebby. Okay, this is your nickname, I assume. Nebby from Melbourne, Australia, New Jersey. He's Nebby, but he goes by Dutch. He goes by Dutch Ben. Uh, yeah, Ben. Um, I think, I think, I don't know if it's that simple. Like, Lars, you do the business, therefore it's a handshake deal. But I think it was, Lars, you bring all this stuff to the table that mm-hmm. I can't. And uh, you were invaluable to this team. So, yeah, handshake deal. Yeah. And maybe like in the early, early days, it would, you know, James was just like, I'm just going to write these songs. You, you go talk to those people and do that. You know, when he was so shy and yeah, exactly. Like I mean, Lars is like outgoing, you know, very charismatic person in the band who did the tape trading, followed the bands around, talked to everybody about I would, Metallica. I would really love to ask them about it. Yeah. Because the, there's a few curiosities. Mm-hmm. Number one, Motor Breath is only credited to James. And some people even think that he wrote that with like Hugh Grant or not Hugh Grant, but Hugh Tanner. Hugh Whoever, Grant. <laughs> Hugh Grant. But he just got done filming about a boy. Awesome. And then, they, no, the Hugh That's Tanner. a great soundtrack, by the way. Hugh Tanner. Well, dude, uh, uh, Nick Hornby, who wrote that. Yeah. Did you read any Nick Hornby? He wrote High Fidelity. High Fidelity, yeah. All of his books um, feature great music. He's yeah, such that one a music was, um, lover. That artist, uh, Bally Drum Boy. Yeah. Yeah, he did that soundtrack. Um, where was I going with that? Hugh Grant. <laughs> oh, yeah. The curiosities are Motor Breath, which is credited just to James, mm-hmm. even though some people think he wrote it with Hugh Tanner. Uh, and then you've got um, Mustaine obviously has a lot of discrepancies. He's, Mustaine basically claims it hit the lights. I think Ron McGovney's claim this too. was completely written by James before yeah. he even met Lars. Right. That's hypodoric. So I'm curious about the handshake deal. It is a handshake deal though. That's, yeah. I'm not. What else could it be? I mean. It's I'm, a handshake deal. Yeah. It's it, a Lennon McCartney deal. Yeah, yeah for sure. I mean, I mean, there's obviously plenty of Beatles songs that just Lennon wrote and just McCartney wrote, but it still says Lennon McCartney. Almost all of them. Yeah. I think people would be really surprised to learn that they pretty much quit that face-to-face writing in like 63 or 64. Right. Really early. Yeah. Because they're the two greatest. I mean, they just, once they blossomed, mm-hmm. they were just fully capable of writing. Even, But even though we see, see this a lot in, in uh, Get Back is where they'll come in having written stuff on their own. Yeah. And it's great. But then when they sit down together with it yeah. and like put that in the mixing bowl, then it's like, oh, now it's... Something a really special. great example of it is I've got a feeling, right? Mm-hmm. I've got a feeling, feeling deep inside. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You got John going, everybody had a good year. Yeah. Everybody let the hair down. That's He would just start singing over it. Boom. That's Lennon McCartney. Yeah. You know, Paul wasn't like, hey, do an everybody had a good year thing here. Right. That was yeah. John. Yeah. Uh, allegedly on Eleanor Rigby, that was all Paul. Eleanor Rigby picks up a line in it. And there's John going, ah, oh, look at all the lonely people. Yeah. Boom. Lennon McCartney. Lennon McCartney. It's just stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. But really, but but I can tell you a song John did not write is Yesterday. Yesterday, yeah. That and I can Paul. tell you a song that Paul didn't write, Give Peace a Chance. Yeah. Linda McCartney. Right. I can tell you a song Lars had nothing to do with, Mama Said. For sure. I mean, like maybe some <laughs> arrangement, but... I mean, maybe, maybe he said we should put a bridge here, I guess. Yeah, maybe repeat that part. 
But songs like Moth in the Flame or all the songs we know and love, I I can definitely see Lars. You can see it in the making of oh, yeah. where he has a big binder where he's done his homework. He gets all the riffs on an iPod or whatever, riff tapes in the early days, and he puts them all together. He's the guy that says to Kirk, cut the tail off of Inner Sandman, yeah. do this three times. Give the give the man his credit, no doubt. But when you look at it kind of a blanket like that, I mean they don't give Kirk a co-write on every song. Yeah, for sure. And he's definitely more musically Unless it's Death Magnetic. Uh, that's true. Everyone got one on Death yeah. Magnetic, yeah. But I mean, if only I could have just been around and gotten a co-write on Death it Magnetic. Would, it would have been awesome. If it was Hetfield, Ulrich, Hammett. I think he got one Wells. on um, Saint Anger too. I think everyone, including Bob, got co-writes yeah. on Saint Anger. Which, by the way, not a bad album to have a co-write on. It sold millions it's, and millions of copies. It's still, yeah, and I'm told Squillions actually. Squillions, yeah. Okay, are we still? We're done with Ben. Sorry, okay. Ben. We're done with you. Ty Brochart says, "What's up, brothers? I tried it. it What's up, brothers? Theirs. Hey guys, 18 out on the road trip today, looking at some colleges. Figured there's no better time now than to write into my favorite podcast. Thank you, Ty. I've been listening for about as long as I can readily remember. That being to about the beginning of the pandemic." I was in the process of getting over a girl at the time. I found your podcast and I was so blown away that there were other people who shared the same love of this band. I felt so singled out for liking. You guys made my day better every time I would listen and I figured I'd see what you guys were about and kept up with the show for a while. Fell off a bit during the school year, but happy to say I'm back now. Well, welcome back, honey, please. I work part-time in a grocery store and value my time in the back cooker and freezer rooms that most... Oh, the most, because there are times I can sneak away and listen to the most recent episode. I really love the deep cut dives you do more than anything else. Fun fact about me, I worked one of my first jobs was a grocery store. Okay. I lived behind a food world, which was the grocery store in Birmingham, and I would walk there. And one of my favorite things to do was to go hide out in the cooler and take a Snickers bar and drink one of those little milks. Oh, okay. I always paid for them, but I would always sure. go hide out there. Is it like your, like your break time? Or break just, or- time or just any time. <laughs> I mean... Working at a grocery store isn't very fun. Right. It's a very strange environment. I never did. I never had a grocery store job. I mean, I would restock shit, mostly bag. I never worked the register. Wasn't too much of a dummy. Couldn't understand it. Yeah. I was 15. And uh, bag groceries went and got the carts, even in the rain, Mm -hmm. and then restocked shit. Okay. And I would hide out in that fucking cooler. Yeah. Just writing a Lunar Satan record. My boss's name, Chuck Pepper. (laughs) That's that sounds like a, a, a the the name of a uh, the character's name on a grocery store TV show. Okay, yeah, it sounds like a Simpsons character. Yeah, I'm Chuck Pepper. I'm the manager here. <laughs> yeah, see, you'll restock the milk back there. See, I'm Chuck Pepper. See. <laughs> All right, Ty goes on to say, I remember having a substitute for my forensics class last year, and we had this big debate about how Metallica's better than Megadeth. Oh boy! And he told me that Battery was the only good Metallica song, and that Load was their best overall album. What a strange it's weird. stew of opinions. That makes me think that the only things you ever heard was Battery and Load. But he so he thinks Battery's their best song, but their best album is Load. That's, That's that seems okay. Okay. I was such an ass and thought of their first four albums were the only real metal albums they ever made and told him Load sucked. I regret that every time I listen because after listening to you guys talk about it, I went back and checked out Load and I loved it. You guys opened me back up to it. Just want to say thank you. Love the show. Keep up the good work. All the best, Ty from Syracuse, New York. I mean, what a cool story, Ty. Thank you, man. We're doing the Lord's work over here, man. I think we are doing, we are on, the Mormons call it, what are their two year mission trip? A mission, right? Yeah. We're on that. Ours is six years long so far. Right. And uh, if, if, if what we did the most was provide a sense of community for people who felt alone, which mm-hmm. Ty says we did. Right. Thank you, Ty. And then also got people to reinvestigate those two strange records from I the mean, 90s. It happened to me. Yeah. Because of this podcast. I Not only a lot are you the president, stuff. 
I'm also a clown. <laughs> Hell yeah, I'm also I am. a member. <laughs> um, it's true though. I mean, even uh, we talked about Jeff Fireball earlier. I mean, he said the same thing. Yeah. You know, he, I remember him texting me one day. He's like, "Man, I have my entire Metallica collection on shuffle while I'm working." And every time a load or reload song comes on, I just get stoked. I'm like, awesome. And he was the dude that was like, eh, anything in the 90s is kind of, you know, he's more of an OG, but yeah. like, he always, he always jokes that, that he, uh, that he's a, uh, a recovering trueaholic. Right. You know? <laughs> well, the first step is admitting you have a problem. And he has. And we're proud of you. We're proud of him for it. Uh, Thanks, well, Ty. Thank you, Ty. Uh, Joe Boyd writes and says, found this post from Rob Flynn from Machine Head. Interesting. This is a bit of an older email as well. Um, he posted a pic recording Unto the Locust. Uh, which Killer I, title. Yeah. Uh, with James Hetfield's green hot rod flame flying V guitar. Nice. Apparently James gifted him this guitar when some what? of Rob Flynn's guitars were stolen and I guess uh, still has it. Just thought that was a pretty cool. Uh, that was pretty cool, and probably why we haven't seen it for a while. Hmm. Uh, thanks, just found your podcast a little while ago, and I think it's absolutely awesome. Joe Boyd, outside Calgary, Alberta, New Jersey. Well, speaking of load and reload era, that's that's one of the load reload guitars. Yeah, he plays it in Cunning Stunts, I think, on Fuel, and it's in the I believe it's in the Whiskey in the Jar video. Yeah, really cool, like Green Flame. He has a one with Red Flames mm-hmm. that I don't, I don't think I've ever seen him play, but I know he owns one. Yeah, man, imagine being like you know one of James's peers, you know, yeah. and. You, you you down you know you, you run into some bad luck your shit gets stolen you, it's insured yeah and then all of a sudden your buddy's like hey man I want you to have that yeah I mean I, you gotta imagine that Rob Flynn of Machine Head can afford to replace his guitars sure but yeah pretty cool and you know if any band's gonna pay it forward it's gonna be the band that in 1984 had all their gear stolen at the channel right and really re- what was it the Anthrax boys that came through Anthrax loan them gear and stuff yeah um, I'm sure that that memory is not far away from them. So of course, yeah. there was that Metallica cover band or tribute band or whatever that had their shit stolen. Metallica replaced all their yeah. gear. It's really cool. I, I wonder what the circumstances are though of Rob Flynn needing James to give him a guitar. Maybe they were on the road. Maybe yeah. I mean, I'd imagine James just surprised him and said, "Hey, man, I'm sorry to hear about your stuff. Why don't you have this?" That's so cool. I would never get rid of that after after if, some, if someone like that gave me something. Hell I'd no. Be like that is never going anywhere. I wouldn't even give it back to James. No. <laughs> If he was like, hey, man, are you good on guitars? Yeah, dude, thank you. That really helped. You still have that green V? Mind if I get that back? Sure do. Uh, you can get that back sometime? I'd be like, James, I love you. No. No, I'm I'm keeping it. You can borrow it. Or I would just be like, what's that? <laughs> just play that game. Sorry, what? what? <laughs> exactly. Uh, or or you go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll find it. It's somewhere. Like, look, man, Um, I thought you gave it to me. I understand that there was some miscommunication. How about this? I'll give it back to you. I just want the Eat Fuck Explorer. Is that okay? <laughs> I'll get it. Yeah, with tradesies. Can I get the Electra guitar? I'll give it back to you for $5,000. How about that? It's a pretty, pretty good deal. Pretty good deal. This is a James Hetfield guitar. Um, thanks for sharing that, Joe. That's a cool story about Rob. Here we go. Our last email from Samuel M. He says, hey, brothers, hope you're both well. Still loving the show. Loving the branching out into things like Hot Summer Nights and the Beanstalk Sitch. It's been lots of fun. I have a couple of questions that I'm hoping you can provide some insight to as dun-dun-dun. Professional, professional musicians. musicians. Yes. Firstly, I think Until It Sleeps is the best or second best song on the loads. Unforgiven 2 is the competition. But I don't think I've ever heard a good live version of it. Not S&M, not Cunning Stunts, not any of the various bootlegs you can find. Something about it just doesn't seem to quite work. Don't get me wrong, I'd love to see it live. But what is it about that song that means it doesn't quite come together outside the studio? I don't know if I've ever noticed that. The only performance I can think of that I would point to that's worth checking out, but it's basically the SNM performance is, you'll have to help me remember the exact circumstances, but they played it at an award show on the roof outside with a little orchestra. Remember what I'm talking about? Oh, was that? It's it's like a VMA type thing. 
and it's it's like yeah it's not an 80 piece orchestra but they have maybe 20 i think it was the vmas and it's them on like the mezzanine roof right and they're they play until it sleeps and it's pretty good yeah i've never really had a problem with it uh i mean it's a it's strange it's first strange of all. i don't think if it's ever noticed it obviously i mean that was the first single from load mm-hmm. and it was all over mtv i oh, mean yeah. I, I would say it was a big hit and yet they don't play it so there obviously is something to them that is hard to do i know vocally it's a little strange it it, it, it goes from that clean thing a lot it's mm-hmm. that bridge is in six four like there's a few weird things about it i love the uh the kind of bigsby little on that song dude i i just love the whole oh, it's great. um it was actually just the other day i saw on uh, i think i re-instagrammed it but it was the whatever anniversary of the debut of that video mm-hmm. which yeah. is one of their more interesting videos very cool yeah. for sure yeah i don't know if i've ever noticed why it doesn't work they obviously don't like to play it yeah i, I think that until it, they have a reload slot fuel and memory i think there could be a load slot too yeah. with sleeps and like king nothing King Nothing would be awesome. King Nothing was a hit, wasn't it? Am right. I misremembering that? That was a hit on MTV. The video is in the snow. It was a great song, yeah. I love they, that song. They played it at uh, one of the VMAs, didn't they? Yeah, or American Music Awards, one of those things, yeah. That was a big old hit, right? Totally. And then you got what else? Bleeding Me. Bleeding Me, yeah. What else you got? For hits? I guess no other hits. Yeah. Ain't My Bitch, though. They played Ain't My Bitch they live. See, I mean, two, they, they've done two by four in the past. Yeah, they did two by four on those club dates. Mm-hmm. They escaped from the studio which is cool. Like James has the mullet. This is like, I guess 94. Yeah. And they're all wearing shorts. Yep. They were like doing the Pantera fashion. Oh yeah, totally. Certain metal guys got away with, dude, you will not find a picture of Dimebag Daryl in pants. He oh, loved no. shorts. Oh, absolutely. Which is pretty uncool as you know, dude, the first, the first demon hunter tour I did, you know what I rocked shorts, Lakers shorts. No, no, no. Camo shorts. Oh, hell yeah. Dime. That's dime. Dime. I did camo shorts and a black sleeve of shirt. Were you, when you got folded into what we called the four horsemen, we had metal night. Yeah. Were we, were we rocking the camo shorts? Yeah. We all, we were, we all wore shorts. We were trying to dress like dime. Yeah, totally. And drinking black tooth green. I still have those shorts. Maybe I'll bring them out this weekend. I need to get some. Not necessarily for stage. I mean, I'll wear them on stage if everyone's cool with it. Yeah, but. I don't know. I don't give a shit. Um, but I still got him. I told my friend Kevin last night, Rodney's drummer. I yeah, said, man, Kevin's cool, by the way. He's, Love. oh, yeah. We, did I've, you hang I've, with I've him met recently? A few times. He, no, he came to the studio with you that one time. That's right. That's um, right. And he most recently went and visited our friend Jamal in New York at his record store. He, he, he totally did. Yeah. Dude. No, Kevin's awesome. He uh, He's a big basketball guy, too. So we talk about basketball. I was like, dude, because I toured with him with Rodney for four years. I was like, can you imagine me? Because, dude, when I started touring with Rodney, I was wearing my battle vest with like Freddy Krueger and oh, yeah. head patches all over it, a huge demon on the back, jumping the fire. Yep. I was like, I wear a basketball jersey almost every show now. And he was just laughing. And I was like, maybe I'll do the full Danny Carey. Because you know what Danny Carey of Tool does? Oh, he's he's like ready for the court. Shorts and the jersey. Jersey tucked in. Like matching, though. Oh, yeah. No, dude, he's, he's, wearing, he's wearing a full jersey. No, he, he's, like, he's, he's, he's sitting on the bench ready to play. You don't really see the shorts that much because he sits, obviously, when he plays drums. Sure. But I told Kev when I saw Tool in 2019, I saw that he was wearing the shorts because he stood up during the encore and did a 10-minute gong solo and the shirt was tucked in <laughs> the jersey was tucked <laughs> in dude he's a big kobe guy right he's he always wearing Lake, lakers he's, stuff it's yeah. lakers or or can he's a what's the college kansas city uh where he's from he just recently yeah uh was it nebraska or something something he wears yeah. like a midwest jersey yeah. a lot too from whatever college is popular there. i don't really follow college basketball but i remember seeing you you probably know this photo this is years and years ago maybe in like a like a 
Rip magazine or Hit Parade or one of those metal magazines back in the day where mm-hmm. it was Danny Carey in his Lakers <laughs> shit leaning against like a Lamborghini. Love it. Do you know that photo? Have you seen that? Yeah. It's like a red Lamborghini. Yeah. And I'm like, damn, that's some baller shit right Parker, there. Parker, the drummer for Morgan, said he saw Danny in a diner by himself in LA. They happened to just be eating at the same diner while Parker was on tour. And, he, and I said, was he wearing the Lakers shit? He said, yeah. He yeah. was wearing the jersey, not on a show day. Awesome. That's just what he likes. Hey, I got no objections to that. But dude, the shorts and tucking them in, that's a fucking flex, dude. It's a flex. You have to be the drummer of Tool to do that. I mean, maybe he tried it untucked and like maybe... Cause, cause, <laughs> he, tried, he tried a well, few things. Ma- well, he, maybe because he's such a busy drummer right. and so technical, maybe it kind of got in the way. He's like, look, for me to perform well, I have to tuck this in. Listen, man. Everyone, ever, listen, everyone has, everyone has their superpower. You would just think that the drummer of Tool would wear like all black. You'd think he'd be like one of the Cannibal Corpse guys. Right. Which even the Cannibal Corpse guy is not the Cannibal Corpse guy. The Cannibal Corpse guy apparently loves collecting like children's toys and shit. Yeah. And everyone says he's Corpse Grinder's a real sweetie pie. Yeah. And Danzig, you know, he's, there's a picture of him buying cat food and shit. Yeah. <laughs> These guys are just entertainers. They're entertainers. They're all, they're all, they're the people just like us. Okay. We, we all tuck our, our Lakers jersey in one side <laughs> at a time. Okay. We all have to tuck our Lakers jersey in to play our gong solo. Exactly. Okay. Uh, Samuel goes on to say, somewhat related, I'm interested in what leads to sections of songs getting dropped when played live. Metallica famously did not play the full Master of Puppets for the entire Black slash Load tour cycle. And even now, they cut sections of Black and Battery and the Four Horsemen. It happens with other bands, too. I think of DMB, who will play number 41 for 23 minutes, but don't play the third verse of Gray Street. Update, starting last year, this made big news in the Dave community. He's been playing the third verse of Gray Street again. Wow. I mean, I get it. Being a Metallica fan, and like, why would they skip the whole bridge, blah, blah, blah. But that's exciting for fans. If you're a nerd like we are, whether it's for DMB yeah. or Metallica, oh, it was huge. It's, a huge, it's huge news. Well, with Gray Street, what happened was they truncated it for a Conan O'Brien performance and then never played it again. Like, and so, like, that felt pretty good. And so, yeah, they were like, hey, you know what? The song kind of breathes differently. And, and let me finish his email and then we can speak to it. He yeah. says, I suspect you can't speak to specifics. But what is it that makes a band or artist do that? They wrote these sections and obviously thought they were good. Otherwise, they wouldn't have recorded them. So why not play them? Interested in what you think. Keep up the good work. Have fun always. Sam from Sydney, Australia, New Jersey. I mean, the the, the easy answer is you change your mind about stuff. Yeah. And because you are the creator of that piece of art, mm-hmm. you can do whatever you want. Now, as far as like the Bridge Master Puppets, I don't think the boys don't like that part. I think that was by the time the Black Album and especially like Load and Reload era hit, I mean, they've now all of a sudden they've got all these hits. So yeah. you got you're only playing for let's say two hours, right? Those are little ways you can scale back the set list a little bit, so or the time length, yeah. so you can add more songs. And I think they kind of lodified the song. Yeah, they kind of did. They were kind of on that trip of shorter, more to the point songs. Mm-hmm. And I think they, I I think the Sudam Alabama part of Four Horsemen I could do without. I like it because I love Kirk's solo there. Yeah, great solo. But um, but I definitely see why. They're like, fuck that part. Yeah. I don't really miss it when it's gone. I don't really miss any of the parts when they're gone. Yeah. They have to be kind of pointed out to me. I feel like if I, if we saw, when we saw them live the few times that we did on this last tour, I feel like if the bridge and master puppets wasn't there, I'd be a little bummed because that, that's such a great, beautiful part. I saw that my first time seeing them on yeah. that sanitarium tour. They were doing a thing called Masterterium. Right. Where when it got to that part, they played sanitarium. Cool. And it was, it was in, I mean, my little group of buds who were like, purest metallica nerd sure we were mad yeah well we were mad first of all that james hetfield didn't show up and i had to watch kid rock butcher his songs <laughs> we were mad right. that kirk was wearing a cowboy hat mm-hmm. and we were mad that we didn't get all the puppets right but we were kids we were stupid hey man you get older and you realize 
especially being in bands and creating yourself and then maybe having to translate stuff live. It's like, you listen to back to something and be like, why did we put that in there? Yeah. That's like, that's, that's another taste totally. too. Like at the time we thought that was awesome and that's not that awesome. Let's change it live. Fuck it. Yeah. That's exactly, that's all it is. Mm-hmm. And there's all sorts of little things you can do to just get yourself excited about playing a song. And I mentioned this on a few episodes ago and they're better songwriters now. Yes. They've, they've got 15 at that time that they were truncating some of these songs. And now when they truncate battery or black and 20, 30 years under their belts of writing songs. And yeah, they're looking at material they wrote when they were in their early twenties. And they're like, yeah, we, we could have done without that. Sure. Yeah. The middle part of puppets is the head scratcher because that part is, it's beautiful. I mean, it's, it's one of the highlights of their entire catalog. Yeah, for sure. But um, the small little things and Horseman and Battery and Blackened, that's just them, I think, trimming some fat. Yeah, just a little bit. Because you, you do that a few times and you can add another song. you know, Or, or that gives you uh, maybe a little voice rest or something like that. Um, I'd be curious to see. I'm sure someone who pays more attention to this than I do, if they've maybe tried other truncations that didn't stick. Like, yeah. oh, in this one show in, you know, wherever in Ohio in 2007, they cut out the bridge to no remorse right but then they never did that again yeah i don't know if there's versions of that maybe tonight uh james we could try to cut out the uh, exit light part of the interstate man <laughs> do you think people will notice a little fat there yeah yeah no. let's just do the prayer three more times it's it, it's it's already too long at four minutes you know well thanks for writing in everybody i hope we answered your question samuel we love you guys out there you can reach us at metal up your podcast show at gmail.com we love hearing from everybody it's the easiest way to get a hold of us peep this commercial for the patreon if you got a little jangle in your pocket Basically, five bucks a month is all we're asking. Yeah. You go to tons, ton of stuff over there, and uh, you get to support the people who make the things that you love. And we are somehow going to be able to crank out consistently the Metal Up Your Podcast sauce that you've come to love and depend on, even while traveling in Europe. I mean- That's how dedicated we are. No big deal. Because you're in lounge position right now here in HQ2, but yeah. that doesn't mean that you're in lounge position up here in, oh, your, no. in your noggin or here, I'm pointing to my heart. We're very much in, in killer mode, in war mode. Oh, dude, I mean, I'm, I'm on the treadmill in my head right now. Well, where else would you be? You're on your treadmill right, right now listening to a non-truncated version of Four Horsemen. That's right. Where you belong. I'm jamming that bridge. Hey, everyone. Clinton Ethan here, and we want to tell you about a little thing called Patreon. Patreon is an easy and interactive way to support the people who make the things that you love. For as little as five bucks a month, you can ensure that Metal Up Your Podcast can continue to grow in quality and content. That's equivalent to a cup of coffee or a beer once a month. Not only is it easy and affordable, but we've made it a priority since day one to give back to our Patreon community. We've given away deluxe box sets, rare vinyl, black and whiskey, concert tickets to SM2 and Slane Castle, all four of our Cover Our World Black and EPs, 26 quarantine covers, and lunar satan demos invitations to exclusive zoom happy hours the ability to ask our guests like jay weinberg of slipknot lizzie hale and members of the metallica crew your very own questions and eligibility for our metal tale series where you can be a guest on metal up your podcast and tell us all about a notable metallica show you've been to subscribe to patreon today and immediately get access to years worth of bonus content thank you for supporting the people who make the things that you love peace adios I can't talk about it anymore. It's giving me a headache. Here, take two of these. Ah, new print. Little, yellow, different. You know who I was confusing? This made me think of this is Lloyd Grant 
who played guitar Lloyd Grant. in the early versions of Metallica. I was saying Hugh Grant, but I was getting Hugh Tanner and Lloyd Grant mixed up. And Hugh Grant, the actor who we already established we like. All right, so live at Grimey's, what are the notes we have on this? Got a couple of facts here about the record, just some basic stuff. Recorded, obviously, as we talked about, the basement below Grimey's on June 12th, 2008. Recorded by Mike Gillies. Mixed by Mike Gillies and someone named Kent uh, Matkey. Okay. Uh, mastered by Vlado Meller. <laughs> Vlado, love Vlado. it. Great name. Uh, released, it wasn't released until but almost two and a half years later. Interesting. Uh, November 26, 2010 on Black Friday, which I think, I, I could be wrong. I think that might have been one of the first record store day Black Fridays. Okay. When I started doing two a year. Um, Metallica played Bonnaroo the next night on June 13th. The audience was around 150 Met Club fans and friends. Shows announced the day of. Cool. Now, one of the a couple, like we said earlier, some of the people from Warner Brothers Records were there, which Metallica were on at the time. Um, a guy named Peter Standish, he was the senior VP, uh, VP of marketing, one of 150 hearty souls that attended the show, explained. Uh, it was very hot and sweaty. I remember turning around at one point and seeing, the la- uh, seeing at least a half dozen Nashville police officers at the back of the room, uh, and definitely a moment of, uh oh, what's going on? But then I realized they were just there as fans, not as security. They did whatever it took to get inside. There's not, a, I, I looked for other, there's like reviews of the show, but it was all by people that weren't there. Right. You know, because it was so obviously, you know, minimally attended. But uh, we're going to listen to it. It's going to be awesome. The track, you know, track lists, normal, fuel, harvester, sanitarium, bells, puppets, sabotry, motor breath, seek and destroy. And it's going to be fun. A little tiny club show on a stage that me and Clint have played so many times. All right, here we go. No remorse. Killer opener, by the way. Heck yeah. I already love how raw it is, too. Like, they didn't just edit it to the hi hat count off. Right. A whole new world. But it sounds a lot like the old stuff. This is the same year Death Magnetic came out. So. Right. All right. Is everybody ready? Are you sure? Is this not the show where someone requests Slither? Uh, I don't know. Well, we're going to find out. I like the faster version of No Remorse. Yeah. We need to do a deep cut dive on this. Kill them all, or oh, oh, this song. No remorse. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it just opens up with a long solo. I know. It's so interesting. Kind of groove metal. Mm-hmm. It is funny that they open up with that. Like, this is a whole different section of the song. In a songwriting class, you would probably make this the intro. Totally. Right? Totally. And that's just kind of that dumb, didn't know any better stuff that yeah. worked out. I kind of want to write a song where it starts with the solo. Do it. Fuck yeah. Love that. Yeah. Great riff. Looks like James played the uh, Uncle Milty Let's Ball Classic, too. Yeah, I saw some footage. Uh, he plays, I think, the Iron Cross, too. Well, that's what this is. Oh, all right. Uncle Milty, my bad. Sorry. He has an ESP version, but I don't know if they'd made it by then. This looks like the Gibson one. Yeah. 
Oh, I see the truckster also, the black truckster. That's what I'm thinking of, the black truckster. And I see the Ken Lawrence. To me, this always sounded like a Pantera song. Yeah. This sounds like kind of Cowboys from Hell era. Like that riff right there, you don't really hear them do anything similar to something like that. It's kind of that push in it. It must be a really cool feeling. I mean, this would be a, a question for them, but to have songs that were on your first record and they all still hold up. I know. Kind of that hit, hit the lights. It's in A. They go to A yep. from F sharp. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously I think about that more with the hits, but like, yeah, Poor Horseman hit the lights, Seek. I mean, yeah. To have written one of your staples 35 years later when you were a kid. And it's always in the set list. And they didn't make any change. I mean, that song's just that good. Yeah. Whiplash. Oh, that's another they, they they skip a big bridge part. And Seek? And Seek. I know they drop a verse in Whiplash. Yeah. Don't they drop the verse about, like, turning the marshals on? <laughs> now, that's one to drop, right? Turning the marshals on. They talk about, like, turning their amps up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. What I love about their tone is it's not as distorted as you think it is. Right. It's actually a little gnarlier and drier. Yeah. No room for mistake. Like you hear, I, I was just hearing James' uh, like alternate picking, kind yeah. of a little sloppy. There's no forgiveness with yeah, that tone. Yeah, you can't hide that. But I love that. It's just real. It's raw. Yep. And they've always been that way. I, I love that they don't they don't hide the fact that they will make mistakes. Yeah. You know. Like even the even, you know, the amount of times that, you know, when when Lars gets to the machine gun part on the drums in one. Yeah. He, it's notoriously not really done that well for a long time. Yeah. He didn't hide it. No. They could they could play to a track yeah. and he could fake it, but he doesn't. No. The recording exists. Exactly. The, the the precise robotic recording that they spliced with tape, it's there. Yeah. It sounds great. Yeah. I tend to always think he does pretty good. Yeah. I, I'm kind of always like, that's yeah, pretty good. Yeah. This song's hard to play fast. They yeah. already play it fast. Oh, they do, yeah. But that da 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 Try to play It's hard to play. To do it clean. Yeah. I feel like if I was at this show, when they started with No Remorse, I'd be like, look, it's very fitting. They're in a tiny club, No Remorse. And then when they immediately jump into this, I'd be like, oh yeah, they're one of the biggest bands in the world. For sure. <laughs> that was all the cops singing. I know. Man, they're playing this so much faster. Yeah. Man, this, the Death Magnetic era, they were whipping through shit, man. It's probably 10 BPM faster. Yeah. I mean, I think even in the beginning of the Worldwide, 
era, they were still playing stuff pretty quick. There, there was definitely there was a turning point, like right before the pandemic, where you could tell that Lars kind of, kind of either he was starting to eased up, maybe rehearsing with a click a bunch, or just eased, yeah, eased up. Rob's harmony sounds pretty good. Yeah. The ooh does. He kind of, yeah, kind of backs off. But you know, we've been in this club a hundred times. When you're in a tiny pack club playing a high caliber, I don't know. I'd imagine they were using ears at this too. Had to have been. Can you imagine them with wedges for this? Ooh. I'm going to try to see in the pictures. Yeah, there are no wedges. And it's a it's a really tiny stage there too. It's, it's one of the smallest in town. Yeah. What's smaller, the end maybe? The end might actually be bigger. The stage. The stage. Maybe uh, they're similar. Basements. They're, they're both small. One of the smallest. This is one of the largest kit took up the whole whole thing. <laughs> This is one of my favorite Kirk solos. Oh, it's great. It's fuel. Love going to that low part. I've got some double kick for those people out there that were sad about load and reload. Right. We've got the double kick happening. There's double kick and ain't my bitch. Yeah. I love this song. Great song. When it goes to that, na, 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 that's where I'm like, all right, a little too fast. Yeah. And that needs to breathe. Needs some groove. Yeah. They definitely do the punk rock version. Yeah. Thank you kindly. <laughs> Thank you kindly. Thank you kindly. God, We're like, here in Tennessee. So we finally made it to the basement. <laughs> yeah. Out of the garage and into the basement. Is that a step up? All right. Is everyone singing? That's good. That's this good. Definitely, like, such a small crowd where Harvester. you could have yelled anything you wanted to and it would have been on record. If we were there, could you just Chronos? Chronos. I see Chronos. I gotta say, man, I love James's RC twenty chorusy. It's awesome. I, I don't know if it was anyone else if I would like it as much. Right. But he's really committed. His clean tones been the same since what? Puppets? Probably. Yeah, I love it.
<laughs> Did he say foul? Is he calling a baseball game? Foul! <laughs> strike! 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 <laughs> so there's just clips of this. There's not full video footage. Dude, it was really hard to get any... I mean, A, like I said before, the iPhone was brand new, so it wasn't like everybody had a video recording device in their pocket. But what you can find online, there's not a ton. But it looks like a good time. Would you mind passing that vinyl over here, good sir? Absolutely. I haven't looked at this in a while. Actually, in this cover, it looks like James is wearing earplugs. Let me see. And not in-ears. What do you think? That, look that like definitely ear- looks like an earplug. Yeah. Lars is wearing ears, though. He is, for sure. I can't tell with Rob. Uh, if you look... Look at this one when I get it back. That looks like ears. Okay. See what you think. But that does look earplugs on the cover. Instead of ears. Right. Which I can see if they were playing like wedges in there. Wait, let me know if you see any pictures of amps. Because maybe they were doing the fractals in there. Uh, no, there's amps right behind them. Okay. Are they that, boogies? That top one, you can see the whole setup. Okay. I don't think Kembers and fractals existed yet. Good point. So I think yeah. they were still on They were that. using amps on the World Magnetic Tour. Right. Great layout, by the way. Yeah, I like vinyl. it. Let's hear the, let's hear the vocal. Eh, I couldn't do it better. Cooking monsters in the house. <laughs> Who's hungry? I Chocolate chip. Oatmeal. <laughs> If you want to know one of the many keys to my heart, it'd be a peanut butter chocolate chip cookie. Dude, peanut butter, peanut butter chocolate chip cookies are great. I mean, I'm a big Reese's guy. Peanut butter and chocolate has got to be one of the best combination foods since ever. peanut butter and jelly. Right. Yeah. Dude, you give me a nice big peanut butter and jelly sandwich with a glass of milk. Peanut and jelly can't go wrong for sure. It's the best. What's your favorite bread, by the way, for a sandwich? Does it depend on the sandwich? It does depend on the sandwich. We're talking like beyond wheat or white. Yeah. yeah probably ciabatta bread. Ciabatta? Ciabatta's great. I like a nice ciabatta bread sandwich. I do like classic sourdough, of course. Yeah. I don't know anybody that really doesn't like that. Nope. Um, big fan of rye. Rye's cool. My parents used to buy that when I was young, and I just loved it. I like French baguettes. Yeah. But that's more of like a... That's not a sandwich. Search, search and destroy. That's <laughs> nailed a, it. That's a Rollins band song, guys. Dude, so. you just have people that are so excited they just like can't not yell. It's like telling my kid not to hit all the buttons in the elevator. Right. That guy couldn't not do it, and he yeah, definitely he got, didn't nail it. He yelled. Right. <laughs> he didn't yell the song. Maybe he's talking about the Stooges song. I don't know. Here we go. 
It's 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 not. No, sound like you choked. <laughs> I would like to request that Big Mick, twelve years ago, just put a little reverb on it, man. Right. Or a little bit of delay. Awesome song, dude. That's a great ending, too. That's not on the record. Kind of a load era vocal ending, too. Yeah. Sounded like the end of Bleeding Me. All right, boys. <laughs> that was the Search and Destroy guy. Yeah. What did he say? Something about his boy, John? That's my boy, John, up there. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if somebody was pounding on the door. Uh, Probably. Like, let me the fuck in there. (laughs) He's hearing me. He goes, Landshark. That's from an old SNL skit. Uh, Candygram. I know I just said it. I love his clean tone so much. I know. It's awesome. I, I kind of dialed it in in my little world over here. And sometimes I'll just fire that patch up and just... Just play one. Just play all the number four track songs. Right. I'll play this in the Sanitarium. Yeah. The Sanitarium riff is really beautiful. Oh, I love it. The way it kind of rolls. And is it in 5-4? Five, 4-1, four? Four, two, three, four, five, one. Oh, it's 6-4. One, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, yeah. three, four, one, two, three, four, five, six. It's four, four, and then six, four. Yeah. That's cool. I've, ne- I've never counted that one out. I'm, I'm getting it right, right? This or, is extra. One, two, three, four, one, two, three. It could just be five, six. Four one two three four one two three four one two three four one two three four one two three. So I think you're counting as if it's like a, like a six eight kind of thing. One three four. Because that's just that's just half time. One two three four five six one and two and three and four one and two and three and four and five and six and one. Yeah, it's weird if you count it if you count it in halftime. Right, there's an extra six four. But if you count it fast, it's just all four. Yeah. Can you sing it? I can. <laughs> Search and destroy. Search and destroy, dude. Hammage Inc. Play the song two. Dude, what if they wrote a sequel to one called two? <laughs> it's T O O. They did it Unforgiven too. <laughs> it's called t- two T O O in parentheses also. Also. In. Second parentheses, T-W-O. Or in Spanish, T-U for two. E-2. Violin 
I love that descending thing. Yeah. This guy right here. Battle. Dude, if you and I knew each other and then and this and we were there, I would I would walk out with no voice. Oh, I would dude. have been one of those guys just screaming. I'd be screaming search and destroy between every song. <laughs> the five horsemen. <laughs> Dude, this riff is no joke, too. Harvester of Tomorrow. And he throws those harmonics in. Got some death to do. Got some death to do. What you doing this afternoon? I got some oh, death to do. A little bit do. of death. Nashville. Awesome, dude. I love this. Oh, it's such a. We did this guitar mini for our whatever we were doing two years ago. That's when everyone was in quarantine and we were just finding stuff to put those on were, Instagram. Those were scary times. Yeah. What if we could have told each other then that we'd be playing, uh, touring Europe together? I know. I'd be like, nah. That'd be nice. We'll see. Although, when everything first locked down, I thought, hopefully we'll be back by summer. And then <laughs> when summer hit, it's like, hopefully by fall. Yeah. I didn't think it would be the following late summer. Once spring of 2021 hit, I was like, I'm never going on tour again. It's just never going to happen. I guess I'm an Amazon driver forever now. <laughs> Those were dark times, man. Yeah, it was weird. I'll say this, though. This podcast was a light in it. For I mean, sure. I know people have written in and said that, but like for myself included. Same. If I didn't have a platform to talk about creeping death, <laughs> then I would have been fucked. <laughs> I don't know what I would have done. <laughs> kind of hear him missing some of those. A little slop ending there. Will you bring up the uh, set list for Bonnaroo that they played the yeah. next day? I'm curious what that was. I feel like, um, which we you know we're not blasting this at ear piercing volume and we're talking over it, but right. I feel like I'm hearing a lot of Kirk's like pedal changes. More than usual. I'm okay. kind of hearing that delineation. Like it's not as smooth as normal? No. It sounds a little choppy. Feel good? What is this one guy yelling? So who's here tonight? <laughs> this dude's just <laughs> yelling to die. die Where are you guys <laughs> yeah. from? DC? Where do you live? You don't know. You forgot. 
<laughs> Virginia. Yell out where you're from. Yell out where you're from louder. I still can't hear you. So people had to... Okay, one at a time, starting here. I've they heard, came from all over. I've heard rumors if, if they were able to drive from Virginia. Or maybe they were in town for Bonnaroo. Oh, yeah, maybe so. How'd you get in here? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Compton. Is that Rob? Yeah. Is he really from Compton? Uh, maybe. Oh, you know what? What was the next song? Bells? Oh, did, uh, did it, was, it skip? It was out of order on my thing. Oh, weird. All right. Bells All right. is after Sanitarium, right? Yeah. Uh, yes. Lars, man. Give him some love. Give Lars love. Lots of love. Mr. Trujillo. Augie. 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 What's Augie? Augie? That's what Howard Stern called Avi. Right. Was Og, was our beloved Avi Vinegar there? Well, he started working for him when they were recording uh, Death Magnetic, so Avi might have been there. I'm going to text him right yeah, now. Yeah, text him right now. Let's find out. This is some real-time shit. This is still my number one song. That I would play with them if I could jam with them. Because it, it's the most foolproof, like yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Like like just rhythm. No, I could do oh, the, the beep boop beep boom boom boom. Right. I could do that. Yeah. I need to play you my cover our world blackened version of this. Oh, did you work on one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's pretty cool. Nice. And you already did My Friend of Misery, right? Yep. Got a couple maybe, more. Maybe one day this year we'll finish that. That would be awesome. Maybe one day this year uh, this website will load. Although, even though this little lead part is it's, it's pretty simple, to hold it steady is the trick. It feels, and it's pretty loosey-goosey with Lars. Yeah. But I kind of like how fluid it is. Yeah. Uh, so here's the set list for Bonnaroo. Okay. The next night. Creeping Death, Bells, Ride the Lightning, Harvester of Sorrow, Unforgiven. It says, uh, with acoustic and Justice for All intro. Oh, that's after the song. So they, they play a tape. They, well, they played in Justice for All. Yeah, this is not a Death Magnetic set, which is interesting. Well, I don't think the record had come out yet. Oh. Uh, Wait. No Remorse, Memory Remains, Fade to Black, pu- Puppets, Whiplash, Nothing Else Matters, Sabbath True, One, Enter Sandman. Then the encore is Last Caress, So What, and Seek and Destroy. So this is summer of 08, yeah. Yeah. So they just sat on all that material. Yeah. Because it was done. When did Death Magnetic September come out? September 12th. So they just sat on all that material? I mean, I guess they didn't. I mean, they don't really play a lot of new stuff until the record's out. They might tease what they, or they'll do stuff that, that, that didn't make it, like Lords of Summer. Them doing Lightning and Justice makes me think of through the, the through the Never performance, right? Dude, could you imagine being a show where you get Lightning and Justice two title tracks? I mean, just Justice alone would be so cool. So Avi says he wasn't there, but he packed and shipped the gear. Okay. So he was probably part of the, the loading of the truck that goes ends up going to Rocket Cargo and gets right. shipped off. 
Bonnaroo, technically, there's three title tracks. Ride Lightning, Puppets. Justice for All, and Puppets, yeah. But they're always going to play Puppets. Right. Dude, and, and these new festivals... a song called The Black Album. <laughs> <laughs> I love The Black Album. This is one, in my opinion, one of their most foolproof songs. Oh, for sure. So hooky, so powerful. It's got a shit ton of cool riffs. Oh, absolutely. A bunch of cool sections. The only thing, the only thing against it, which I actually think is nice, there's no like big barn burner solo. No, there's not. It goes from the chorus to the big outro, right here. And I love that this goes into into three. Three, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. Chances of them having a combo about that, almost zero. Zero. For sure. We should go to three after this. Yeah. That's quite a lot of time after this. I wonder if there's a big talky talk. I'm telling you, I think there's someone who yells slither. Yeah. And James goes, Well, there's people out there who like that song. And I'm always like, it's me. <laughs> I like it. Please. Don't set your eyes to the sun. You might blind them. Dude, I love Slither. Never played it live. Crazy. I might do my next deep cut dive on Slither. Oh, no. I think you should. One of my favorite, mine and Nova's favorites cartoons to watch is the 60s Sword in the Stone. Or oh. no, I'm sorry, the 60s. Uh, yeah, Sword in the Stone. I love Sword in the Stone. Wait, what am I thinking of? No, Robin Hood. What? <laughs> what, please? No, I'm thinking about Robin Hood. Oh yeah, the OG one. The and, and there's hiss. Yeah, Roger Miller. Little John something. Riding through the forest, yeah. running through the But anyway, the the snake hiss. Snakes don't walk; they slither. They slither. Oh, this is a China solo. <laughs> song got longer. Very quiet at the end. Search and destroy. He's doing it with the yeah, toms. You want to borrow a Mesa boogie? <laughs> sure. How about a green flying bee? Hey, can I just say something? This is pretty serious, right? You guys have been supporting us here in the basement for a long, long time. I just want you guys to know that there are a couple people from Warner Brothers Records here. And if you guys really support what we're doing, maybe we can actually get out of the basement and get a record deal. <laughs> there it okay? is. Seriously. Not that we don't love it here, but give it everything everything you got because Warner Brothers are here, okay? But they want us to stay here. Yeah. Don't you? Yeah, sure. You greedy, selfish bastards. <laughs> <laughs> Who's wearing earplugs? Who's not? You can still hear me? Yeah. All right. Damage your ear is metal. Damage your ears, ink. <laughs> On what? Drums? Oh, they do go into this little jam. Freight ends? Yeah. Kirk hasn't joined in. Where you at, Kirky Poo? Oh, 
That's gotta be a fan, right? <laughs> yeah, that doesn't quite sound like James, does it? There's Kirk. Oh, it's maybe it's Rob. Mm. Oh, not great. stops are cool that's a fan that's a fan yeah. for sure Man, they get pretty far into it. Yeah. We're going to get some beer later. Going to go to Broadway. Going to pee my pants, then I'm going to see you dead. They just skipped all of verse two. Woo, the band's a little sloppy, It sounds like they don't know what to do. <laughs> he did the maniacal laughter. <laughs> That's awesome. That's James soloing. Like, okay. Let's keep going. Okay. Sweet. The guy's like, best night of my life, man. Totally Jim Freedens with I'm like boys. in Metallica. I just don't want to miss any of the banter in case that slither moment happens. Right. Slither. Slither. It looks like they're just counting down into puppets. Yeah. Here we go. This song is a masterpiece. It really is, yeah. A masterpiece of puppets. When I was a kid and we... We're a little Metallica, a little tribute cover band thing. Right. This was the, like the ultimate song for us to get through. Oh, God, yeah. We did Creep, Sanitarium, all the Load, Reload era stuff, which was obviously a piece of cake. But Puppets to us was like, we even did one in Fade to Black. Mm-hmm. But Puppets was the hardest one to do. This one, uh, for, for a long time, I would uh, warm up to this before like going on stage. And I would try to get through the whole thing with all downstrokes. Yeah. It's really fucking hard. And they're playing it faster. Yeah. I mean, that riff right there alone is just... It's tough. The spider riff. This recording's so fun because you can really clearly hear both of them playing the rhythm. Right. And my ear kind of goes towards Kirk because lots been said about James. Right. But I think Kirk's an underrated rhythm player. Yeah, he's solid. There's a tuning room video where James's guitar goes out during puppets, and it's just Kirk carrying it yeah. until, until they figure it out. They don't stop, and it's tight. Yeah, awesome. it really is. Search and destroy. 
Let's get hot chicken. <laughs> Hattie B's is around the corner. Bachelor. Bachelor. <laughs> Bachelorette parties <laughs> pulling your strings. So you even here, Motor Breath, Hetfield. Yeah. So weird. It's interesting in the credits for each song, it puts like original version on Master Puppets, right. original version on Reload. I wonder why they did that. That's kind of old school, I think. Yeah. You know, I used to, used to read that kind of stuff in album liner notes. I did read online too that the artwork on this was the first time they used the classic logo uh, since SM. In which they just used the M on SM. Oh, really? I didn't know. Yeah, that. because before that, uh, Death, Magnetic, Death Magnetic wasn't out yet. Before that, you had St. Anger. Then it was like Load and Reload. That's right. That's right. Or I guess maybe since Garage Inc. Because that had like the, the kind of doodle version of it. Garage Inc. had like the pin. Yeah. The really thin. Right. But basically like that. Yeah. I bet it's just James's handwriting. Probably. Yeah, this is the classic one, right? Yeah. The, the logo's... We ought to do an episode on it. The logo's... Even before the big change. Yeah. Before... The load. The 3D logo, too. In the, in the, which was on, like... That one. Lightning. Like, the, the first record was that. With its on, on Live at Grimey's. Kill Em All has that. Then they did the 3D thing for two records. Right. And then the Justice is like the concrete. Yeah, and then Black Album goes back to that, but kind of faded. But Black. Then the big change. Then the big, shorter, more modern. Isn't it crazy what a big deal that was? I mean, it was never a big deal to me, but I guess I was too young. I'm to saying g- in general, though. like yeah. look, People are like, oh my God, I the can't logo. believe it. You know what would be really great is to, is to have someone on that um, that is a graphic designer that is also a Metallica fan that can maybe talk about yeah. that kind of aspect of things. Come on, James. It actually has the Freightings of Sanity jam on the back. On the track listing? I yeah. guess they played enough of it. Where <laughs> I mean, they got through two verses and two choruses. Original version, by the way, on Injustice for All. Injustice for All? That's yeah, what it's called? the album. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. I didn't know that. Well, that's why they put it here. Okay, that's cool. Isn't that neat? What, uh, what is the, what's this uh, song from? This song? This, uh, this hold song on. Master of hold on, let me look. This is on an original version album on The Outlaw Torn. Okay, cool. Yeah. I Sick. didn't even know they had an album called that. I didn't either. We, we should uh, do a commentary on that. 
I mean, what's fun about records is you just holding them like this. Just, I mean, it's, it's been in your lap for a while, and <laughs> and I endorse it. Let me pass it on in case you want to keep looking at it. I'm not even going to open it. I'm just going to sit here and hold it. Yeah. Oh, dude, I'm sure you do the same thing when you're sitting here listening to Vinyl at Night with cans on. All the time. You'll look through the whole layout, look through the lyrics, and then eventually you just put it in your lap and hold it until it's done. I'll grab a whole stack, even though I'm listening to one record. I'll grab a whole stack and just look through them all. Yeah. Psych. Here comes one of my favorite riffies. Is this the coolest riff of the 80s? Ooh, shoot. I mean, which one is it? As far as I know. Yeah, the puppet spider riff. I mean, it's pretty badass. That or blackened. And the very first riff, the classic, never happens again. What do you mean? The dent, bam, bam, bam. Yeah, that doesn't happen again. Never happens again, yeah. You think they would have put it at the end, right? So James dropped out, probably holding the mic. I'm guessing out. he's holding the mic out of the crowd. Right. Classic. Some guys like search and destroy <laughs> again. I will say it's the, the song is so like popular and anthemic that you never hear it live anymore. Where he just sings it, yeah. it's just always the crowd shit, right? Which I get, but it's kind of a bummer. Yeah. It was rad on like SM because I mean, the, the way the crowd was mic'd up, it sounds powerful. To this day, my favorite version of the song is SM. Yeah. One. I remember getting that VHS. Oh, hell yeah. And cause I was right in that transition period of DVDs and VHSs. And I remember watching it at home, just being like, just getting chills me, watching that. Me and uh, shout out to Van, but me and Van were reminiscing on Discord today about how when we were kids, yeah. we didn't even own a VCR. We rented a VCR. We rented one. Crazy. Yeah. From, would, the, from the video store. There was really, yeah. There was really a movie we wanted to see. We would go to the video store. <laughs> wow. Rent the movie and a VCR. Crazy. Dude, um, I remember at one point my, my, we had a VCR and my parents bought like a rewind machine. Oh. The so VCR didn't do it? It could, but sometimes it was like, let's watch the next movie oh. and let that rewind. Damn, that's high tech. Dude, it was pretty cool. I'm sure that the rewind machine alone cost like $400 back then. <laughs> I remember my dad got the VHS camcorder, like full-size VHS, right? The one you put on your shoulder. Oh, we had one of those, yeah. And I remember like him telling me years later, because I mean, eventually me and my sisters destroyed that thing. Sure. That's what happens. That's what kids do. Right. And um, and he, he told me, he goes, oh, you know, when that was brand new, it was $1,000. Wow. We had one that you put a VHS in, but the VHS had a little adapter and you put a little micro tape in the VHS. Oh, it was probably uh, Super 8 or High 8. Uh, That's I what it was called. They, 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 were, they looked like smaller beta tapes. Yeah. And then you put it into a VHS adapter. Yes. Yeah, that was High 8. Dude, we, when we finally did... You know, this might even be why we didn't have a VCR. One of my first memories is putting bread in the VCR because I thought it was hungry. <laughs> Guess what that did? It broke, it broke the VCR. Yeah. Putting bread... <laughs> Me and my sister put fucking bread in it, dude. 
That's amazing. Well, we thought it was hungry. Did your uh, did your family ever have? Remember the Teddy Ruxpin? Oh, we had a Teddy. You put the tape in him. The, yeah, you put the, the bear. tape in. It's like, hi, I'm a creepy bear. Yeah. Um, I don't know what, what the technology was that they used, but you weren't able to put in other more, other tapes. You could, but it would fuck it up. Right. Somehow. Right. And I used to put in like my Bon Jovi and Poison tape, and it would start, <laughs> but eventually it would just be like, and yeah. it would just, yeah, so weird. And how cool for Grimy, not only for this event to happen, but like he has it like in vinyl form. I know. And like, it's got to be really cool to walk by that, like a couple of the copies in his store just going, man, that fucking happened. That's one of the reasons I want to talk. I've never talked to him about what he likes, but I wonder if he's a Metallica fan. I mean, whether you're a fan or not, if this comes across the the desk, you're doing this. You say yes, exactly. I wonder if there are any other famous basement recordings. Surely there's other live from the basements. Right. I've told this story before, but I was playing there with Jesse Balin. Right. Fucking T-Bone Burnett walked in. That's right. Because the other thing about the basement is it's such an industry. Like, everyone in the crowd was a musician. Right, yeah. So someone like T-Bone Burnett comes in, and everyone knows who he is, and yeah. everyone really respects him. Wasn't easy to play guitar for that. I'm sure. For that song. Yeah. Well, because then he came in, and he just stood against the back wall, which isn't by the soundboard. And it's, that's not that far away. No. I mean, it's like from this, <laughs> you know, one side of the room to the other, but... Uh... It was like when we were playing at Brooks and Dunn. I know for Parker it was our friend Trey, but see Jeff King over there. It was like, yeah. and knowing he could probably only hear my fucking amp. <laughs> I'm like, go to stage left. <laughs> I know. They not, always go to happens. stage right. Well, I think it just all depends on which side of the dressing room is on or, or, or the easiest stage access. Totally. Totally. Like when we played with Jason Isbell that one time and he was standing on stage right, that just happened, that happened to be where his guitar world was. I know. I know. That wasn't a good show for me either. Oh, well. It's a great solo, by the way. Black album. I think the worst solo, not worst. I think the the uh, weakest solo on the black album is Wolf of Man, and I think the second weakest is Sandman. As it, great as Sandman is, right? But that says a lot about the rest of the leads on the record. The Unforgiven, Saboteur. I love uh, the Through the Never solo. Yeah, My Friend of Misery one's great. My Friend of Misery is great. That actually might be the best. Dude. Wait, Unforgiven. Unforgiven. Dude, struggle within solo is. Ripping. That my friend of misery solo is so good, dude. With the guitar harmony, we, we did the guitar harmony on. on uh, yep. Do that, and I remember doing those harmonies on Insta on social media two years ago. And I think I took the lower one, maybe either whatever it was. The stretch was crazy. Oh, no. I was like, holy shit! I never realized it was that that gnarly. This song is as foolproof, if not more, than bells. Yeah. This is kind of like a. It's actually kind of like the 90s bells. Yeah. What do you think about that? I agree with that. It kind of transcends like all, everything, they, you know, every genre. I love that Bob called it the cashmere of the 90s. That's kind of, so cool. Kind of is. Cashmere is another song where my my idea of cashmere is that it's heavy as fuck. Yeah. You go check it out. The guitars are not that overdriven. No. It's, it's just the gravitas of the song makes it heavy. Yeah, that, the groove, bottom, way bottom exactly. plays. Exactly. Exactly. 
You can, I'm you, motherfucker. You can almost tell at the beginning of this set, like James seems way more into it now. He, I think he. When they started, he was like, "Ugh." You know, you know how it is. You play a lot of shows and you get comfortable. Yeah. We just did 20 minutes, you know, in a stadium. By the end of it, it's like, let's play a show now. Yeah, totally. Good night, Dark Continent. He must always just have his bridge pickup on because whenever he does that, bop, 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 yeah. bop, bop, it's just always ready to go. He probably never uses his neck pickup except uh, for clean stuff. I think he does on clean and also on like uh, the solo for puppets or he'll go up there. Or, um, hey, who's going? Nothing else matters. What's going on? Is this a gig or something? Ha ha. You silly goose. You're playing Bonnaroo. Yeah. All right. All right. Let Check your breath. It's <laughs> like the intro to You Could Be Mine. Yeah. That's Kurt. Oh, you so metal. Yeah. <laughs> Here he goes, oh, you so metal. This is a punk rock song. Yep. Right? I mean, that's what, that, you know, that was one of the big reasons why I, when I got into punk rock, I'd already gotten into this. And then that, those those connections just came right, came together. I was like, oh my God, Kill Em All is like a metal punk record. Totally. And then once you get, you know, start doing more research and you figure out these guys were into the Misfits and yeah. bands like that. You're Ramones. Like, ah, makes sense. Yeah. yeah. That's the magic stew of thrash to me is is like the new wave of British heavy metal with American punk music. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because I don't think they ever. Well, they talk about Motorhead, but they never they never talk about the Sex Pistols. I think they were just into American punk. Yeah, Ramones mainly. Ramones, Misfits, Misfits. Yeah. This is uh, your cover of this for cover of Black and Stone, one of my favorites. I would, thank you. I appreciate that. That that was real magical. I don't remember doing it or working it out at all. Right. I had my friend Mark play strings on it. Yeah, that's awesome. I did the solo verbatim. <laughs> hey, it's fine. Listened to it once and immediately played it exactly yeah, like no, this. No big deal. Yeah, this sounds like Offspring. Doesn't this sound like from Smash? Yeah, yeah. Could be something from Smash. Dude, we need to jam Smash. Smash is awesome. You got that on wax too? Oh, fuck yeah. Oh, yeah. I think I have a cool color of it too. Nice. I wonder why they put Motor Breath on the set. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Three songs from uh, Kill Em All I mean, on a nine-song set. Besides Saboteur and Fuel, everything's old, like... 80s, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's kind of an old school. It's cool. And why nine songs? I guess it's about an hour long. So they did an hour. Right. James just stopped playing. He did. Maybe he popped the string. Maybe. 
They're not playing it, bro. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, we've had a blast here. This is the last song, so get it all out. And uh, if you don't, bring it tomorrow and we'll get it out, all right? Appreciate you coming in here and helping us sweat. And it's great to see you, and there's a good vibe in here, man. It feels good. This one is called Seek and Destroy. Mm, I think it's called Search and Destroy. Yeah. Uh, the guy in the crowd was yelling at James. Another kind of weird thing they did that I think is this product of them being kind of young and dumb. Them both playing the intro together. Right. And they still do it. Instead of Kurt coming in right here. Yeah. Just unison, nothing different. Right. Not even like a harmony or anything. When I first got Kill em All, this was one of the first riffs I learned because all of it's really it's easy. really easy to play, yeah. Almighty yeah. riff. Almighty oh, riff. <laughs> James, you hear me? This song is so killer. It's great. This and Hit the Lights, man. Yeah. This is so amazing that these are on their first album. And credit to Dave, old Dave and Stain. Yeah. He with, the, some, with the mechanics. Wrote some great stuff. I mean, Four Horsemen is awesome. Oh, oh nice. I see what he did there, dude. So proud to be from here. Overdub snaps would have been nice. Yeah, some snaps. What were they thinking, dude? Seriously. Missed opportunity. If they could only just consult us for their live recordings. Oh, was he just correcting the guy? It's, <laughs> it's seek and destroy. You know, I heard a guy after the first song say this wrong. Rob, there you go. Is that a fan or Rob? We can't. Uh, we can't tell. No one knows. It's a tale that have been has been lost in time. Uh, for the tales are told and written on scrolls, burned in the great fires of 2010. I do love that this is. That the, they didn't like doctor this thing up. It's nope. just, it is what it is, it, but it, it sounds like a good rowdy time in a small-ass club. And you know, maybe that's why it's not digitally streaming. It's just on 10-inch yeah. vinyl. So people who want that really have to love the band. Yeah. So it can kind of just be what it was, which is a loose document. Right. I don't know if any of their live stuff is streaming. I mean, the main stuff is like Binge and Purge. Uh, I think Binge and Purge is up there. Why does Rob's bass keep going out? Is it going out? You notice that it'll cut out, unless there was some technical thing. So this is the part. At certain points in their career, they have cut this whole part out. So SNM two. Helping Hands, the live acoustic, Through the Never, SNM, and Binge and Purge. Okay. So no cunning stunts. Yeah. No live at Grimey. It's kind of surprising. Return of the Ripper. <laughs> Return of the Ripper. 
So they're trading solos. Changed? Yeah, they're trading solos. Yes. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Oh, this just added it because you sent it to me. It's oh. not on. It's not streaming. Ah, the Grammys. I was like, look at this. Tacos. Taco Bell. Hell yeah. Shatinka, tinka, tinka. Hot chicken. section unless rob was doing like a doing a not maybe he couldn't do the helicopter probably not enough room for the helicopter on this stage They mean it. Do you mean that, James? Do they really? Don't don't mess with me. Don't don't toy with our emotions, James. Hi, 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 hello, hi, hi, hi. I feel the same. They must have had to have like their security guys like push everyone back because there's no door to the stage. Oh no! Like it's in the back of the room. Total essentially. total escort out for sure. Yeah. That's a cool thing they did, man. It's awesome. Like, that's just a really cool part of Nashville venue history. Yeah, it's promoting the new album. Yeah. Fun outro. Metallica loves you even in the basement. Yes, no, no big crashy diamondy yeah. trash can thing. I do remember yeah. I, I to find it. There was some kind of article over that. Um, it was either I think it was before the show. They all they closed off the record store. And they went upstairs and like bought shit and stuff. Ah, went to that's pretty cool. Browse for vinyl. 
But uh, I remember the <laughs> like Lars doing his basement. We were in Nashville 20 years ago playing at the basement. I remember we first played the basement. It was about an hour ago. We had Princess Hot Chicken. I got diarrhea during Search and Destroy. It was great. We bought it up, sold it on eBay, helped us pay for the mixing and mastering of our new album, which comes out in September. It's called Death Magnetic. Well, that was fun. It was cool. Yeah, it was a good time. Why the Grimies here in our own beloved hometown of Nashville, Tennessee. Nashville Pride. <laughs> Go Pride. And uh, whatever our soccer team's called. The Nashville Soccer Club. Ooh, horrible. I mean, that's what a lot of them are called around, around the world. Just the Nashville yeah, like Soccer New- Club. Newcastle Soccer Club or whatever. Oh. I yeah. guess soccer teams don't have names, do they? That makes sense. Some of the do. Uh, what's the LA one that uh, David Beckham was on the uh, the Bend the Galaxy? Beckham's? I think it's called. Oh, that's not good either. Yeah. Wow. I mean, who's I, naming these things? I would rather our soccer team be the National Soccer Club rather than some kind of fun music pun. Ooh, horrible! Like the sounds, the sounds isn't good. is not that great. No, it's Preds like, is awesome though. Yeah, the Predators is great. Um, but yeah, the soccer club was just like Titans oh, is cool too. Titans is cool. Like, uh, oh, this is our new soccer team, uh, uh, the Nashville Capos or the Nashville Amplifiers or something like that would be really Ooh, cheesy. The Capos. The God, Capos. that would be horrible. <laughs> the Arpeggios. The Bar Chords. <laughs> <laughs> bar Chords, I don't know. That's, that's fun. Yeah. Please welcome to the field your Nashville Pentatonic Scales. <laughs> <laughs> the Lydian Modes. The Lydian Modes. <laughs> Please welcome the Paradiddles. <laughs> <laughs> It's just all drummers who don't know, know who don't know how They're to like, play soccer. Hell yeah. hell yeah, dude. All right. Well, we're going to let everyone get out of here. Uh, thank you for hanging with us for the live at Grammys. We will see you next week where we'll be talking about uh, one of the Death Magnetic era. I think we're going to do the Nemes show. Nemes. We're yeah. going to burn down Nemes together. Yeah. Ancient Coliseum crumbling Ancient as Metallica plays Blackened. Coliseum of time and Nemes while we will be ourselves in Europe while that's going down. Probably at Nemes. I don't know. Making a little... Uh, I don't know, a little shrine. And we're going to be uh, recording Cover World Black and uh, the next installment at uh, Sweet Sound Studios in Copenhagen. Yeah, it'll be awesome. Okay, well, we're going to let everyone go. Thank you for checking out the podcast. Uh, if you supported my Kickstarter, it's probably over by now. Thank you. We got it funded. The vinyl will be coming shortly. Go check out uh, smlxl.com. Vinyl.com. Vinyl. smlxlvinyl.com to get the Golden West on vinyl. You That's need right. it on wax. Worldwide. Come follow us on the socials. Leave us the review. Get on the Patreon train. Take care of yourselves. Take care of your families. Peace. Adios. If you were our advisor, what would you say? Then I would say, delete that. <laughs>